kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Yeah, you've got to love the weather. It's it's raining and it's August 8th, um, the first day of deeming. <laughs> so welcome to that. Uh, with me tonight is Mr. Alex Clark from CASA, who we all know, and the very best producer that money can't buy, which is good because I'm still not paying him very, who was just at UK Vape Fest. And I'm assuming that was a significantly more cheerful time than what we're having here now. Yeah. How was it? <laughs> Did you have fun? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, saw lots of people for the first time and lots of people I met previously. New modders I've talked to, uh, old, old, old modders. Uh, scared <laughs> a lot of younger vapors with my vaping habits. Yeah. <laughs> Gave out tips on mod making and yeah. oh just so brilliant but mainly yeah <laughs> fate fests the more social event yeah um but there are 75 different vendors there wow and, and, and i won a raffle prize so yeah which is totally awesome but we can discuss that later sure um alex are well, you here He's making coffee. He's making coffee. He's popped okay. up and making coffee. Um, but yeah, day one, deeming. Huh. Yes, deeming day one. And judging Fa from... Hmm? Facebook. Yeah, Facebook has going. Judging from the posts I see on Facebook, people are either completely unprepared, have no clue what's going on, or have made up some sort of regulation in their head that i didn't see or read um so it looks like it's going to be an interesting first few days um i did see that nick green posted photos of people hanging outside of shops um with signs offering to help customers because people inside can no longer help them i saw a video of a woman who could not help a mentally ill person change their coils. Um, it's, it's been heartbreaking and 
I didn't spend most of the day on social media. I spent most of the day with a massive headache working. So to come home to this is just, it feels utterly demoralizing. I feel, I just feel terrible. I feel terrible that this golden agency that's supposed to protect our health is now hurting some of the most vulnerable people in society, but I guess that's what they do. I can play that uh, woman. Would you play the video? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, be warned. There's cursing. <laughs> yeah. So um, this is. This is um, Skip Murray, aka Mama Vape. Well, the shop's been open for a few minutes now, <clears throat> and I already want to be very unprofessional and say, fuck you, FDA. I have a regular customer who is um, mentally disadvantaged, and he used to smoke, and his family talked him into quitting smoking because he kept accidentally causing fires and so they bought him an i-stick 50 and a super tank and he's been vaping for a while but there are things that are hard for him to understand so when he buys a new coil i always put it in for him i always show him how but i end up doing it for him um, because he can't remember that many steps. And we've been open less than half an hour, and he just came in for a coil. And I had to just sell it to him, and he went out the door, and he came back in, and he said, I don't know how to do this. Will you put my coil in for me? And I said, I'm sorry. I'm not a tobacco manufacturer. And you have to do it yourself. Remember what I told you. Take the bottom off. Unscrew the old coil. Put the new coil in. Put a couple drops of liquid in it. In the middle of the coil. Put your tank back together. Fill your tank. Screw it on your device. You can do it. And he got mad. And he went out the door. And he's sitting in front of our shop on the sidewalk and he's rocking and he's holding his head because now he's overwhelmed and he doesn't know how to do this so now I have a grown man on my sidewalk scaring other people because they don't understand people with disabilities and if he can't vape and I can't help him then he goes back to smoking. And someday when he dies in a fire from his cigarettes, the bastards in the FDA, it's their fault. Fuck you. I don't care if it's not professional. Fuck you, FDA. Fuck you. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the FDA helping keep tobacco products away from children. So, if this was an example of how social media looked today, I guess I'm glad I was working with a headache. 
Yeah, there's been stuff like that coming up all day. Yeah. Um, I believe people can donate their time as long as they're they don't work for the store. I know people have been talking about doing that. I think it would be a really good thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm back, by the way. I, yeah. I listened to that whole thing again. I know. Um, I, I <clears throat> yeah, that, that bummed me out for a while today, too. Um, I, I absolutely feel for Skip and, and any other retailer that's in that position. And yeah, yeah and that, that was in the first half hour. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, you know, we, we started with a, just a bang. Um, and it's in, you know, it's been a weird, it's been a mixed bag of, of things that, that I've seen and, and been dealing with all day. Um, mm -hmm. That that by far is one of the most powerful examples of just how awful the regulations are. And and to kind of go back to, I think, what you were talking about earlier, you know, mm -hmm. people, people kind of making up, coming up with their own interpretations of the regulations. And I think specifically... Um, yeah. You were talking about someone who was saying that it, it's not illegal for people to make coils and put things yeah. together and so on. Um, there is no, and, and I've seen this a lot in, in that people want a clear, like, couple of sentence explanation for <laughs> regulations. I and I, I wish I, I, all of us wish oh, yeah. that that, there, that something like that existed. I actually spent some time. Um, this weekend, um, mm -hmm. putting together kind of, I, I tried to make it like a bullet point list right. for, um, people who, uh, some of the YouTube reviewers in the community, mm -hmm. um, for them to in incorporate in the content that they were going to be putting out today or this week. Yeah. And I could not do it. It was, it, there, there is no, <laughs> I, I cannot reduce these com these complex regulations down to a couple of sentences there's just yeah. no way to do it i mean I, I guess i could they would be extremely long and very confused they would be even more confusing than what's written yeah. um so there is no one place to kind of you know I, i'm sitting here trying to answer this question by looking at the regulations and actually if you go on this is this is kind of an interesting thing to do for people who would like to contribute to discussions about um, what the regulations actually say. If you mm -hmm. go to the, the actual Federal Register site, the, the every, each paragraph is it's set up so that you can link uh, specifically to that paragraph, and you can share that link and, right. and talk about it, whatever, however you want to do this on social media or in forums. Um, mm -hmm. So it just it, it's an interesting, interesting way to reference the official language and and, and talk about it. Right. <clears throat> but when we talk about things like you know are shops able to manufacture in-house anymore? Well, technically, kind of. Practically, no. it's complicated. And it's possibly, it's too complicated for these small independent businesses to, to do it without getting into some sort of trouble. Right. Um, and and this all comes down to a level of precision and consistency that uh, I think a lot of us can agree mm 
mm -hmm. uh, is not always present in a vape shop. It's just, you know, it, it's I, to be, you know, to, to kind of give you an example. I mean, the way that I vape, you know, I've wrapped, I've wrapped my coils, and as long as it's somewhere between 0.7 and 1, right. I'm totally cool with it. And, you know, I add nicotine to the liquids that I have. Mm -hmm. If it's anywhere between 36 and 46, I'm fine. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> oh I mean, I, I know that other people are, are, are a little bit more precise about it, but... Right. Even then, and I actually had a conversation with somebody today, and I okay. said, I said, you know, I imagine this a lot like cooking. You know, you're following a recipe. How mm -hmm. how hard is that? And she said, yeah, it's exactly like that. Yeah, exactly. Said, you know, the only thing is that you have to demonstrate to the FDA that you're able to nail that recipe every single time, and you're doing it in a sanitary facility. Mm -hmm. With you know, I, I'm assuming they're going to want to see some precision instruments. Um, there's, uh, I, I, there's certain protocols I think that people are required to follow in a lab to make sure that things are sanitary. If yeah. you're just, if you're doing that behind the counter, it, that that's, that's not going to meet anybody's yeah. guidelines for where you should be manufacturing e-liquid, yeah. you know, even, even component parts like coils where, you know, that's what's directly affecting the, the, the um, you know, how the, the, the liquid is, is vaporized and it changes, I forget the official wording. Um, but, you know, there are manufacturing standards for component parts like that yeah. in other industries, not mm -hmm. in vapor, because again, the deeming <laughs> regulations didn't actually put forth any meaningful regulations that yeah. improve the products or the manufacturing practices for industry. Um, yeah. it, so, those are things that we imagine and, and speculate that people are going to have a hard time doing. Yeah. And the real thing, the thing that will trip people up is if, and, and I, I heard Gregory Conley suggest this when we were in Las Vegas, mm -hmm. um, was, you know, for people who are manufacturing coils in, in their shop, mm -hmm. you sort of challenge them to say, you know, look, Go ahead and do it. Like document each coil in each resistance level. Give it a you know a, a PLU code right. in the point of sale system, and you know have it documented as built, you know manufactured, sold on the market prior to August eighth, right. and and you know continue doing that. That yeah. would be one way to attempt to comply there's a lot of labor that goes into that up front mm -hmm. um and uh but that that is that's basic that's one of the things that fda is asking for yeah the the problem is you know what's this i guess would be like standard of deviation that would be acceptable so if you're marketing and selling a 0.5 ohm coil if it's 0.55 does that make it a completely new product right or what if you didn't build a 0.6 ohm coil? You went from mm -hmm. 0.5 to 0.7, and you you build a 0.5 coil. Well, sure. this is all this is all incredibly nitpicky, by the way. I understand that. It's just these are the scenarios that people should be prepared for, right? Because of because of the product that we're talking about. You know, we're not, we you know we we also we don't know. We set. I, I know you set and read the regulations. Till you wanted to scream, I did too. 
um, it's not really clear. One page will say one thing, another page will say something different. And it's just not clear. And if you're manufacturing coils, a lot of things can affect that. Not, not things that include the way the user does it. There might be a problem with the metal, you know, not even a problem. There just might be a slight differential in the chemical components of the metal well, that completely, go ahead. Yeah, well, I, I did before we go, before we lump in all um, kind mm -hmm. of, uh, I don't want to say custom coils, but I mean, it's essentially what it is. They're, you know, they're the sort of free floating coils that you attach on a rebuildable device yourself. Right. Um, before we include all of those, I, I, you know, I did have the pleasure of meeting somebody in, in, in Tacoma who, mm -hmm. you know, that's his business, that's his product. He hand builds coils and is, you know, capable of doing it in a very precise and consistent way. And so, you know, he's somebody that, that will be able to continue selling and marketing his coils. And there are other people out there like him that can continue mm -hmm. do, doing that. The, the problem area that, that we're talking about here is, you know, the, the guy you have on staff that's building coils for customers as they come in the door. That's, there's so much variability in there mm -hmm. that it, it's, it's just, there's a lot of front end work that had to have been done prior to today yeah. that if you're asking this question now, mm -hmm. you're obviously not prepared. And if you manufacture a coil in your shop and you're just setting up that system today, you are effectively manufacturing a new tobacco product. Yeah. And that's, that's the line. That's where we're getting into problems. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually kind of surprised that we haven't heard any stories of compliance officers coming in to shops today. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe that has happened and we just haven't heard about it yet. Um, they might I, be going in undercover too. That's, that's also possible. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're, we're kind of waiting to see exactly what, um, they might do. And they, you know, they may ultimately be relying on, on complaints to, before they take action. Right. Um, it really just depends on how gung ho your state or local health and human services department is. Yeah. Um, I mean, and we just don't, we don't, it, it's not like we have people from the state and local health departments that will tell us this stuff, what they're looking for, what they're checking for. So, I mean, I'm hoping the way we find out is not that someone gets dinked and comes to social media to spread off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the well, the good news is that the the fines for, I was looking at some, some guidance um, regarding uh, kind of the fee, the fine mm -hmm. schedule and schedule for fines and penalties. Mm -hmm. um, and your first offense, you can actually uh, get around paying a fine by taking a um, kind of industry compliance course. Right. Um, and, and I don't know if this is, if this applies to all parts of the regulation. Um, usually this is something I think that comes up in, in sales to minors. Right. Um, but uh, so the first fine was like $250 or you can take this class uh, right. and then it just, it goes up from there. And ultimately 
after a certain number of fines, after a certain number, number of cita number of citations, um, mm -hmm. you, you potentially just get a, a no sale order and you're shut down for so many months. You just can't sell tobacco products. And usually, you know, for a convenience store that gets slapped with something like that, mm -hmm. um, they just lose a bunch of money in sales and, you know, yeah. they still are able to remain open. For a vapor shop, that that's, could pretty much mean the end of your business. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I think what's surprising to me was like yesterday, last night, all the posts I saw of people who were like, I just found out. Really? Mm -hmm. You just found out. That's amazing to me. But it's like you said when you were on last week. It, it's it's surprising the um, the different kinds of outreach you really have to use to reach people. You think everybody's plugged in and everybody's dialed in and everybody's on social media, but that's not necessarily true. No, and I mean, when you really think about it, I mean, if we... If, if us or AVA or Not Blowing Smoke had actual budgets to work with, um, yeah. you know, two years ago, a year ago, um, yeah. there would have been, I'm sure, some sort of, you know, actual media campaign. There would have been ads on TV alerting people to this. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, because we are, uh, you know, small organizations in the scheme of things, Right. Um, and, you know, they're, well, because we're small organizations in the scheme of things, mm -hmm. you know, we have to rely on the grassroots channels of getting the word out. So it's all word of mouth. It's yeah. all about trying to engage with, with for, you know, for CASA, it's about in trying to engage with business owners so that they will carry our materials so that they mm -hmm. can alert customers to what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, when it comes to funding, uh, they're, it's just this people don't seem to did have not seemed to perceive the need to <laughs> give money to these organizations. And it's, you know, I, I, I don't know what the staff numbers are at other mm -hmm. organizations. I, I mean, uh -huh. the, the drug policy Alliance, uh, you know, I don't know what Ethan Nadelman gets paid to be the executive director. Mm -hmm. um, but I do know that there are, other people working under him. There's sort of district representatives. There's a P, you know, there's a media yeah. person. These, these people cannot do this job for free. No. Um, so, and, and, and they aren't like, I mean, they're out there. They're, right. they, you know, Ethan Edelman sat in a congressional hearing across the table from Senator Ron Johnson recently. Right. Um, but go out on the street and ask, you know, I don't know, ask your, neighborhood like legalized marijuana advocate if they know who the drug <laughs> policy alliance is and they likely don't know no they um, all know normal but yeah. they don't know dpa which is a shame because nadelman's done a lot of work for a very long time had nadelman started like where we did with mm -hmm. no one and nothing you know at all just himself yeah. so and that you can see that took like 20 years yeah yeah. I, I mean, it, it takes a long time to build that sort of infrastructure up. And it's like you said, it's because people don't perceive um, the need for that. Um, and when you get to the place where you're having to deal with the federal government, it's very hard to do any sort of 
real work without being able to effectively lobby them. And it's hard to effectively lobby them without money. It, it's an ugly circular reasoning type of thing, but it's true. There's grassroots activism and that does a lot, but it's not quite as effective without some money behind it. You know what I mean? You know mm -hmm. exactly what I mean. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, so I saw in the chat, someone on Twitter was having a liquid giveaway today. Oh, that's, that's, that sounds like fun. That's a great idea. A day ago. That sounded legal. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually had a back and forth with somebody in the Casa group earlier um, today and they, they were asking about, you know, can I do giveaways? And I just simply, I can't make it any more simple than mm -hmm. no free product. That's, yep. that's the law now. No mm -hmm. free. I can't, I just did make it simpler. No free. <laughs> free with and, the little circle in the, the and, line and, through it. And so this person responded with like, okay, so, so no, 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 I, you know, it only applies to sampling. And I said, no, no, wait, when you say, when you say giveaway, that means that you're giving Product products free. to somebody for, for free, right? Like no charge, right? It's like, well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's giving somebody a free product, a free tobacco product. That's mm -hmm. illegal. Yep. Um, so, and there's, I think that there has been some discussion about how people can do giveaways. Right. Um, but you, you just can't do it if you can't enter into a giveaway for free. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, the other suggestion is like, you know, don't even use the word free or giveaway. Yeah. You know, there, there, there would be, you know, prizes or awards, um, mm. but, but you have to somehow pay for it. You can pay yeah. a discount. It can be right. some sort of discount, but uh, cannot be free mm -mm. and it can't be a penny. No. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, the sampling thing, that was, that's interesting. And what's surprising to me is that people are like, I, I see people going, do I have to switch to zero Nick for sampling? I don't know about that, but I also know you can't let people sample product for free anymore. It's just not. Well, I, I can tell you the logic feasible. behind that. Okay. So it's, uh, if, if you are, if you take a zero nicotine e-liquid mm -hmm. and put it into a tank that's on a device, that tank and device with an atomizer and it is con considered a tobacco, a tobacco product. product. So once that zero nicotine e-liquid makes it into that device, the whole thing is a tobacco product. And if you let yeah. somebody use that for free, that's giving away a free, free tobacco product. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gotta say they were, um, they were actually pretty clever in the way they wrote the regs. You know, I mean, they're so, they're clear like mud. <laughs> and they're hard for the ordinary person to sit there and decipher. And they're hard well, for me to decipher. Yeah, they're hard and, and for you. And it's, that's on purpose. It, it's, yeah, it's not intended for the, the, the lay person yeah. to understand. They yeah. write these regulations, I think, with the understanding that, the type of uh, manufacturers and retailers that they're going to uh, retain mm -hmm. are the type that can hire lawyers 
that can pay dues to a trade association that will help them with compliance guidance. Yeah. Um, this was not intended for small businesses to understand or to comply with. And this is part of, I think, what you know, Ron Johnson is going after uh, mm -hmm. in, in his, uh, his letters to the FDA and, and, and asking yeah. them to justify this. Oh, exactly. It, it's regulation that protects large business and kills small industry. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. If you're a little guy, it's not for you. And it's kind of, it's not kind of, it's an absolute shame that that's the backbone of vaping is the small businesses, the little guys the ones who just started to help people out and those are the ones that are being effectively punished by this stuff the most you know the the little guy who can't maybe afford a lawyer but genuinely wants to help people is the one who's getting hurt the worst yeah and that's that's where um you know the the consumer perspective comes into play very heavily um yeah you know when we when we talk about the diverse vapor space, mm -hmm. on one hand, we're talking about all the wonderful products that are out there. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, at the mm -hmm. core of it, we're talking about that interaction between consumers yeah. in, in a vape shop or at a vape meet mm -hmm. where people are sharing ideas and lending support and, and helping each other to transition to a, a, a safer product. Yeah. Um, if the diverse vapor market goes away, then you lose that very important component to uh, keeping people engaged with the products. And yeah. um, that, that, that part right there to me is a, a huge, plays a huge part in, in this looming public health disaster. Yeah. This was, I'm surprised at how many people this sort of, shocked i mean i i know what the fda is like um i know the the sorts of things they do just because you know if you read stuff about the way they've gone after people who manufacture cherry juice you know cherry juice is really good for gout like sour cherry juice is good for like gout and arthritis it's a folk remedy people know that and if people marketed cherry juice as such. I mean, the FDA went after them that they were selling a new drug. Just from that sort of interaction between the FDA and a natural product manufacturer, I'm kind of surprised people didn't get the message that that's kind of how it was going to go with us. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Non-nicotine e-liquid is a tobacco product because we say it is cherry juice which people have used for centuries for whatever and it's like a well-known folk remedy this is a new drug because we say it is um mm. it's just surprising to me that it's such a shock to people this is the way the fda does business for lack of a better word you know an even higher profile um case was uh mm -hmm. general mills oh and, cheerios uh, cheerios 
Yeah. Um, people probably, and I, I think a lot of people kind of missed it, but you know, the messaging that is on the box of a Cheerios is, mm-hmm. uh, is different than it was a few years ago because sure. I said the FDA ruled that the, uh, General Mills was making a health claim. Yeah. Um, I believe that the yeah, Cheerios cannot say that, uh, their product will help you lower your cholesterol. That the that statement is reserved for expensive drugs that have been yes. through expensive drug trials, yeah. and uh, yeah, so yeah, uh, I, I can't I mean, really I can't attest to whether or not eating Cheerios is going <laughs> to lower your cholesterol, <laughs> and it doesn't really fall under the uh, classification of folk remedy, right. but um, you know, hey, <laughs> but that that is just kind of their stock and trade and, and the way that they do things. And most of the money the FDA makes is not from the federal government, although they do have a budget, but they make a lot of money from drug companies submitting drugs. They have a fee schedule for all of this stuff. Um, they're not in it to protect the little guy. They're in it to they say they're in it to protect the public's health. In some ways, I believe them, except for Chantrix. I really can't believe they removed the black box warning from that stuff because dealt with it. That was a pretty miserable experience. And um, I know a lot of people are still having um, problems from that years later after taking it. Um, but they put a black box warning on them. They took it off. Um, and there was a case recently and I know, know nobody cares about this, where a man went to jail. He had an undiagnosed mental health issue. Uh, he went to jail and he was on Chantix. I don't know what happened in jail, but the man gouged out his own eyes while he was wow. on Chantix. And the FDA is still good with that, not having a black box warning anymore. And yet people with undiagnosed mental health issues, thats that happens quite a lot. Um, healthcare is expensive. People don't see doctors like they used to. You know, people can't afford this sort of stuff. And, you know, it, it affects the poorest people the worst, of course. And yet the FDA is absolutely fine with that, not having a black box warning. Because they say, well, a study has come out and said that there's absolutely no problems with taking this. Well, you know, I'm a study. We know studies so that, can like, be made. that like 500 suicides is all just what somebody made that up. <laughs> yeah. 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 Everybody just made it up. And yet Health Canada, from what I understand, still has the black box warning on what's called Champix there, which is Chantix. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's just funny how different regulatory agencies regulate things. Mm hmm. Um, I, um, I don't know. I, I just find it, it's, it's interesting. Watching the FDA do what it does is really interesting. So, yeah. (laughs) I, uh, I'm very glad that, and I hate to say this, I'm really, really glad I'm not a small business owner that has to deal with them. I think that would be a challenge the likes of which I'm not capable of performing myself. So everybody out there who still 
keeping on and still doing it, kudos. Congratulations, you know, congratulations for being able to stand up and, and do this. You know, yeah, it's I, not going to be easy. Go ahead. I, and, and I think that, you know, that there should be some reassurance given to, mm -hmm. I, I, again, I'm, and I'm prefacing this by stating CASA does not advise industry and nothing that we're saying here is to be considered legal advice or compliance guidance. Sure. We, we just, it's not, we're just not equipped to do that. No. Um, but, you know, that disclaimer uh, aside, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I think that there are, there are resources out there for small businesses to use mm -hmm. um, that, you know, to help them get through some of these compliance deadlines. I mean, ultimately the, the, the big thing that wipes everybody out, there's two big things. Okay. First of all, there's the fear and uncertainty, um, you know, whether or not you're going to be able to stock yourselves with shelves with products uh, and also kind of manage being able to, to get out of your store uh, and remain, you know, financially somewhat unscathed, you know, people mm -hmm. are, are, are Sure, you know, if you're, if you've, even if you just found out about this today, the first thought in your mind should be, how do I get out of this hole? Right. Um, and, and so I, I, I completely understand that the people are going to be making those calculations. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one thing that, that we, you know, I think a lot of us suspect is, is going to cause the, the, the industry to shrink a bit over the next six months. Yeah. Um, and, but ultimately, everybody gets knocked out by the requirement that their products have a pre-market tobacco application. And if I yeah. could just address one thing, okay, um, you know, there are there's a lot of chatter about some of these new devices that are coming on the market that came on the market right mm -hmm. up to the deadline. Sure. Um, these sort of all-in-one devices with proprietary tanks, and uh, I believe there's one that has. Um, it has technology in it so that you have to be like near the it's a refillable thing but it only works with that particular brand of e-liquid sure so it has some sort of like i forget the name for the technology but your your phone uses it and other things um right. it's near something um and uh you kind of have to touch the bottle to the device to get it to work um, and, uh, they use a, uh, uh, non-tobacco derived nicotine. Um, oh, and that's, so that's I, I think it's kind of being promoted as a device that will circumvent the regulations, uh, mm -hmm. for one thing, but besides that, uh, these are the types of products that the FDA has said will be most likely to, uh, get through the PMTA process. This yeah. is not this is not some conspiracy mm -hmm. that big tobacco cooked up. This is just <laughs> this is what the regulations actually clearly stated. And for for years now, I mm -hmm. think that that a lot of the thinkers in the industry have have suspected that this would be the case. That right. if you look at the market as it is today, there are just mm -hmm. too many variables out there no regulatory agency at least not with the weird mission of the fda <laughs> is going to look at this market and be like oh yeah totally we can we can live <laughs> with all the variability here that makes perfect sense to us 
um, and, and, and still be within the letter of the law of the Tobacco Control Act. Um, so it's just, yeah, this, that's something that has been in the works for years and, mm -hmm. and this is not a new thing. So, you know, to, for, for people that are thinking that this just kind of came out of left field and, um, oh. you know, the big players got together and have been conspiring to, to tank the industry for the sake of this one product and the almighty dollar. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, <clears throat> I, I think it's great if some products are going to remain on the market after 2018. Um, yeah. But even still, like some of these all in one devices are, are going to have problems getting through. Yeah, um, there's no nobody's got a silver bullet. And, you know, just like we have problems putting this thing into bullet points, the, mm -hmm. the, the manufacturers, the entrepreneurs and even the damn regulators cannot <laughs> understand what has been written. So yeah. it, it's, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of trial and error in a space where trial and error just isn't all that affordable. No. Um, and it, it, it's kind of, it's kind of shocking that they're trying to regulate something as not just diverse, but as complex as vaping as though it were just a simple Thing because it's not. I mean, it, when well, I started, we had like nothing. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say. I mean, it's it's very square peg round hole. And it, it, they're not they're not trying to tailor the, the regulations to how the products are actually actually used. No. They're they're trying to to mold the products into something that they can live with. Um, yeah. And it, it's, it's all about making the regulators comfortable. It has nothing to do with benefits to the consumer or public sure. health. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and, you know, one of the things that, that I like to say, and, and, and I'm trying to find ways to articulate this better, is, you know, again, referring back to the phenomenon of the kind of informal organic support network that has sprung up around mm -hmm. the, the sitting areas in a, in a vape shop. Yeah. Um, these products, that culture has engaged and provided support to people mm -hmm. at no cost to the taxpayer yep. in ways that I just millions of dollars have been thrown at cessation services mm -hmm. and, you know, community health programs, city health programs. Sure. They, they just cannot replicate what is going on in a vapor shop. Yeah. And, and I mean, dollar for dollar i mean even if there's sort of mediocre results from that sort of culture in a vape shop mm -hmm. it's still just worlds just worlds of improvement compared mm -hmm. to what the anti-smoking uh efforts have, have tried to come up with oh sure well and and that's because that's because i, I think the anti-smoking culture is based on the concept of punishment, which is a puritanical sort of thought where you punish people for both any sort of illness they would get and also their enjoyment of what they're doing. Um, and that seems to be the way they want to, in air quotes, help people is by punishing them. Of course, people are going to want to walk away from something like that to something that they can still have fun with um, and is probably much less harmful to them. And why 
some anti-smoking professionals like Clive Bates, etc., seem to get it, and the others don't is just baffling to me. It's almost like, I don't want to say they're butthurt that their solutions didn't work, but it almost feels that way when, when you look at the kind of things that they do versus the kind of things that we do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they're they're not they're not fighting fair. I, no. I mean that's that's evidenced in in the fact that they're they're cherry picking studies to um, arrive at, at these predetermined conclusions that you know any kind of enjoyable solution to this problem must be bad. Yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, you know, actually, when we were at the tobacco harm reduction conference in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. um, I, I believe Helen Redman. Okay. Um, uh, I, I forget exactly her title and the organization she works for, but she's done a lot of work, I think, with um, mentally mentally ill people and, and mm -hmm. recovering drug addicts. Uh, and you know that was one of the things that she was speaking about was, and that was actually kind of the, the one of the focuses of the conference was, mm -hmm. um, you know, the fact that uh, mental patients are, you know, smoking is disproportionately higher in people with mental diseases or mental issues, mm -hmm. and. Sure. Um, you know, it's just the, the, the point that she put, she touched on was that there's just this never ending campaign of shaming people mm -hmm. who are, are smokers with, with little regard to, you know, actual data that suggests that, you know, a, a number of factors that would, would predispose someone to picking up cigarettes. Yeah. I mean, that being predisposed to taking a, to engaging in a risky behavior mm -hmm. means that it's, it's to some extent beyond your control. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, there's, first of all, there's a level of communication that's, that's not, not present, you know, mm -hmm. some, I, I learned an awful lot about myself when I went into drug treatment. Um, but that's not an experience that a lot of alcoholics and addicts can afford, mm -hmm. uh, or are they, nor are they given. Um, and, you know, this is one of the reasons I think why, you know, relapse rates are so high because people just are not provided the appropriate amount of information. Mm -hmm. And instead, you know, people like me who have done risky and, you know, not so intelligent things, right. um, you know, uh, are, are just sort of regarded as bad people. And even, yeah. you know, even when we manage to turn our lives around and do the right mm -hmm. thing, sure. <clears throat> we're still branded as you know, a dumb smoker or, you know, uh, I, you know, a person with an alcohol problem, yeah. people, you know, people that are close to me are still kind of like, uh, oh, you know, can I do certain things around you? Like, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I don't know how much of it is like their concern for me or their concern that it's, I'm going to slip and, and turn into a raging asshole again. I, I, I don't know. Um, but you know, it's just that there's a lot of myth a lot around, um, sure. you know, addiction and substance abuse yeah. and, and so on and um, whatever. That's I, a, that totally went down a tangent there. I apologize. No, that's that's okay. I'm going to follow <laughs> you down on the tangent. I, I have a problem. I have a I have a drinking problem. I will flat out tell you that I have a drinking problem because I'm in pain, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it doesn't go away. Um, alcohol is the easiest way to anesthetize that. I don't drink anymore. I'm 
not the world's happiest person, but I did a lot of stupid stuff when I drank. Mm -hmm. I have a brother who died in his 50s as a heroin addict. My parents were nice, normal people. We had a nice, normal upbringing. We grew up on a farm. It doesn't get any more nice and normal than that. You know, my parents didn't have addiction issues. My brothers and I do. Um, and people do treat you differently when they know that you have them. They treat you like you have something that they can catch. That's yeah. uh, simply not true. That has nothing to do with it. But they paint you with the pariah brush because they're making a moral judgment on a medical issue. And that's a lot of the problem with addiction and addiction treatment in a nutshell. This is not a moral issue. This is a medical issue. And people don't want to see that. And a lot of people who have medical problems like this end up in jail. Now, it's certainly no way to help anyone. Now, that's no way to help someone get treatment. That's no way to help someone straighten out their lives and, and go in a good direction. Um, no way to help them be a better person. Um, and it's because we think it's okay to punish people who have a problem, whether it's smoking, whether it's drinking, whether it's heroin addiction. Um, and it, it's all based on moral judgment and has nothing to do with facts. So I don't know how to bring that back around to vaping, except for they treat us, they treat vapors like they treat people who have drug addiction issues. Well, yeah, and, exactly like that. And, and that I think comes back to their misunderstanding of nicotine and, mm -hmm. and this, this inability to acknowledge that people use nicotine uh, for for pleasure and in right. some cases people are able to manage some mild symptoms uh, mm -hmm. by using nicotine on their own right. they don't they don't sure. have to um, you know sub subject themselves to uh, powerful medications that cost a lot of money and make them feel bad they right. can they can simply manage you know things like you know, there are mild forms of depression out there. There are, you know, people with, with issues of, of, you know, motivation or focusing and, and yeah. uh, you know, all of these things. Nicotine has been shown to actually help people with that. Yeah. Um, I... with... There's there's one here. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have particular I mean... mental health problems to do with memory and concentration. And my psychiatrist yeah. has said, under no circumstances have I got to stop using nicotine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it it works. It works in certain areas of the brain. And it, it stimulates at the same time that it relaxes. So it stimulates the parts of your brain that are really good for cognition, while at the same time relaxing you. So that's why I think a lot of people really enjoy vaping. You're you're taking the death out of the equation, to put it simply. Yeah, you know? I, I, I don't see anybody judging me for my relationship to, to coffee. And, and I, <laughs> use, I use coffee for very similar reasons, um, not as frequently as I, I use nicotine 
but you know, I have found myself at eight o'clock at night on edge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Even <laughs> and and I would you know a cup of coffee is actually what would do it for me, um, right. and and you know but there's no there's no public shaming campaign for coffee drinkers, yeah, yeah. nobody <laughs> yet yeah. yet you know nobody nobody looks down their noses at the line at Starbucks saying like oh you're just a bunch of caffeine addicts no that they, they, they jump in a line they say I want my coffee flavored milkshake too. <laughs> yeah, you really don't see people saying, you dirty Java addicts and your horrible K-cup addiction. So, you know, yeah, ultimately, <laughs> this is not about it. The, 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 the anti-tobacco people, anti-nicotine people want to make it about nicotine because they're just running out of arguments. Mm -hmm. And um, I agree. It, it's it's and it's really, it, you know, and, and I've said this before, I think on on our updates. Mm -hmm. um, you know, ultimately that, that strategy is doing a disservice to all other fields of, of, of addiction studies sure. and addiction treatment. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and that's, it's one of those things where we tie into, uh, efforts, I think like the drug policy Alliance and, right. and any other kind of, uh, any kind of organization that's you know, working on addiction issues. Well, one person right. who is really angry about the whole vaping thing is father Jack. Yeah. 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 Father Jack Kearney. I mean, how can you how can you blame him for being angry? That's something that's helping a tremendous amount of people to stop smoking. According to public health, that is the number one cause of disease and death that is preventable. So why are you shaming people who want a better way? And, of course, the shaming ties back to the FDA, because it does, and I'm going to go here. The people who regulate tobacco products, they're a certain kind of person. They're not your normal, everyday regulator. They have a real interest in the field, but they are a certain type of person. They're generally anti-smokers. Now, even for all the lip service that got paid to separating the nicotine from the smoke by, you know, the head of the Center for Tobacco Products at the time, we can still see by looking at the regulations that that was not true. That was not true at all. Science never really entered into the equation of this. They just said... We need to look at this as a, a broad-based population thing, and we don't want children to start vaping. Um, we don't want them to start getting addicted to nicotine. They don't tell you what the age group for children is to them. It's There's four age groups, and one of them is from 16 to 22 or 23 is still considered a child by public health that's involved in anti-smoking research. So when they talk about the children, they could very easily be talking about 16 to 22 year olds every time they're hammering home the point of the children using this, the children using this, the children using this. And I find that intellectually dishonest. It's an easy scapegoat, but it's completely, I don't know. It's just completely wrong. The age groups should be separated better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
when they talk about those things. So it, I don't know. I mean, I woke up this morning and all my mods still worked <laughs> and I still had all my liquids. So I think I was doing pretty good. They haven't managed to take that away. And that's the thing. They're not taking it away right away. They're taking it away in little steps. So I think we still have time to try and fight this. And I know Kassar was doing a call a, a, um, a call campaign today. Yeah, so, um, you know, it, first, just to give people a little bit of background on the advocacy strategy here um, so mm -hmm. that everybody kind of understands. Um, you know, we've put out make a call campaigns in the past, sure. and uh, I, I can't remember exactly where the most um, participated campaigns mm -hmm. were from, or where the most campaigns where people participated the most uh, right. are from. Uh, I would I want to say it was probably it was either Indiana or Chicago, California. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. California is likely. Uh, but typically people are, that phone gets real heavy when you, <laughs> when you actually need to use it. Yeah. And, um, and it is, you know, it, it's intimidating, I think. Mm -hmm. um, the, the idea of calling a lawmaker a very official person uh, sure. and, and, and telling them how you feel, I think, puts a lot of people uh, in a very uncomfortable position. Um, so I, I understand uh, how people mm -hmm. might feel about that. Right. Um, but it's uh, surprisingly uh, very easy. And just keep in mind that you are paying for them to, yeah. to do what they're doing. So they're on your time. Don't yeah. ever, I mean, for, don't ever forget that. Sure. Um, they, they are, they are a public servant. Yeah. They might forget it. Don't you forget it? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the decision was that today people would be extra engaged and extra concerned and so we uh, made a essentially a phone call version of our existing send an email campaign. Right. Um, and this is on the heels of some advice I think that, that has been shared uh, multiple times, which is typically, not always, but typically, mm -hmm. uh, if if a lawmaker's staff receives a hundred phone calls or more on a particular issue, a lawmaker gets briefed on it. Mm -hmm. um, and we are still at that stage where. You know, given all of the legislative uh, things that are happening in any given session, um, you know, there's a lot of lawmakers out there that, that they don't know what the Cole Bishop Amendment is. Uh, they, they may or may not know what H.R. 2058 is. We have, a, there's a senator or a, a, a representative in Michigan. Mm -hmm. I, think it's, I think it's a senator. Um, okay. uh, Debbie Stabenow. 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 Okay. Um, I, I don't know. Um, and uh, she seems to think that the Office of Management and Budget uh, basically prevented the FDA from regulating <laughs> e-cigarettes. I, I mean, I'm not exactly sure if that's what she has written as her boilerplate response, oh, um, but it's it's along those lines. And really, she's referring to the the article that came out that said that that OMB. Uh, you know, told the FDA to take the language about flavors out of the sure. final rule, mm -hmm. um, which is true, yes. but that does not prohibit 
or prevent the FDA from regulating the rest of the category. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> so that's been her response to several people. Like, well, you know, it's it sort of has this air of like, well, uh, thanks for the letter, but FDA isn't doing this, so you know, to <laughs> really? you, you know, yeah, and <laughs> you know, so there, there just there are still tons of lawmakers out there that don't know. You think the vaping community is confused about these regulations? <laughs> I try talking to a lawmaker about it, and it's you know, they they have, they don't know. I mean, it's it, this is all it, their opinions about this industry. I think are largely based on what they understand about smoking, and that everybody right. knows or everybody feels that smoking is bad. Mm -hmm. And so they look at something like this and they just go with what they've seen on the local news or, you know, right. they've read here and there and it's, oh, it's, it must be bad. It looks like smoking. And that's the end of their, that's the end of the amount of investment they have on this. Right. And so, you know, this is one of those things and it goes to like, I, I just wanted to speak to, you know, a lot of the, you know, here we are, it's August 8th and the bad things are happening. Um, and, you know, there are every now and then, and I'm sure we'll see it every day going forward, you're going to have somebody that says, oh, well, you know, these organizations and they don't do anything and we need to try a different strategy and, and form a new association to really do something. Yeah. That's not really how this works. And if you look at the, the numbers of people that have participated mm -hmm. in, in or essentially awareness campaigns, these are campaigns to make lawmakers aware of, mm -hmm. you know, the issue and how this rule is affecting real life human beings, right. uh, those numbers compared to the rest of the population are remarkably low. And yeah. so it, it's, it's not necessarily something that has uh, caught the eye of enough lawmakers. We've got a few, right. uh, we've got a bunch of co-sponsors on one bill uh, mm -hmm. but it's, it's just, this speaks to the fact that we just need to keep going with, with this campaign and, and, and get more people educated. I fully expect within the next couple of months to be sitting in front of a congressman and have them say, you know, I just, I really didn't know much about this, but now, now yeah. I kind of see what's going on. I mean, that's, you know, we're years into this and these, yeah. these, these, these folks are still finding out about this. So, oh, yeah. The phone calls yeah. are absolutely important. I we have it looks like we've had well over a thousand people um, participate. I have estimated that about sixty percent of those people have actually made phone calls, right. um, and uh, those are just the numbers that are being reported to us. Um, so that and that's actually that's actually very very good uh, for something like this. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know how that compares to the way other campaigns are run, but. 60% uh, participation is, is pretty good. Well, um, it is. Yeah. And, you know, my, my goal here is thousands more uh, yeah. and, and that, you know, each, each representative in the country receives a hundred phone calls this week, yeah. um, which is, is lofty. I know, but um, wow. it just, this, this has to happen. Well, so, yeah. um, and that's out there, august8th.org. Yeah. Um, and just spread that around all over the yeah. place. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, it, it's amazing to me. Well, it's not really amazing to me. I um, I watch a lot of C-SPAN. Mm -hmm. So seeing the things that lawmakers say about bills that they have supposedly read but haven't is not really surprising to me. But 
what is surprising to me is the amount of people who are going to go to the polls and vote for that same person who doesn't care about them at all to go back in and do that same sort of job over and over again. Um, I think lawmakers don't, because they spend so much time campaigning and so little time worrying about what issues are actually important to people, they don't, uh, they don't have any fear that they might lose their jobs over things like this. I don't know. I, I don't know why you would think you would still keep your job if you're ignoring a significant portion of the people you are paid to represent. Well, you know, the, and, the, the, go ahead. The, the thing about that is, I mean, just like what we're talking about with the information that FDA used to, to base their, even the urgency of, of uh, finalizing the deeming rule, mm -hmm. you know, uh, lawmakers are not being presented with accurate information either. They are not aware of, of the large numbers of people that are engaged in this issue. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, it, it wasn't until a couple of big manufacturers spoke up and, and actually got uh, talking to their, their representatives or senators that, you know, Ron Johnson didn't know until uh, uh, um, uh, Johnson's Creek had a conversation yeah. with him. Uh, you know, uh, Sanford Bishop in Georgia didn't know the significance of HR of, of Cole Bishop uh, mm -hmm. until a manufacturer from his district spoke up and said, "Hey, man, I employ a lot of people, and we got a lot yeah. of customers, and this is a big issue for you." Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's they're yeah, being it, presented with the scary, you know. The, the vapor products and tobacco companies are out to eat your children. That's the information yeah. that they're getting on a regular basis. Sure. Um, they're just not. So I, I think as more lawmakers become aware, mm -hmm. um, I mean, unless they're just completely soulless, um, <laughs> I, I, I think I think they're going to they're going to wake up and, and start supporting the vapors. Well, I, I think so too, and it, it's a lot of this is a numbers game, like you've said before amount of phone calls somebody gets, the amount of handwritten letters somebody gets, all of these things count. And they count a lot more than I hate to say emails do. I mean, emails count, of course, but an actual phone call, somebody took the time to call you and tell you how this was going to affect them, affect their business, affect the amount of money you were going to be able to bring in from a certain district. That's huge. They deal in numbers. I don't want to say lives mean nothing to them, but I think maybe that's kind of true. <laughs> oh, speaking of lives, tell me about a billion lives. Yeah, so um, I can't believe I waited this long to talk about it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind um, of a big day today. Go ahead. Yeah, today was a big day. You know, it's, everything's just going to be overshadowed by the next thing, unfortunately, yeah. going forward. So. Um, yeah, we, uh, myself, uh, Julie Westner and Kristen Noel Marsh were in, uh, Milwaukee for the North American premiere of A Billion Lives. Um, it was, uh, it was actually work. I, uh, was there to have fun and, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, uh, there's also a lot of networking going on. And, um, so anyway, uh, 
Uh, Milwaukee is a beautiful city, by the way. If you ever have the opportunity to visit Milwaukee, I highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was fortunate enough to stay kind of a little bit out of the center of the city. So mm -hmm. I could walk it was about a mile back and forth from, from events to, to my hotel. Right. Um, so that was, that was a nice experience. Mm -hmm. um, and apparently, you know, the thing to do in Milwaukee is to drink and party. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's, just, that's, that's Milwaukee. Uh, right. it's, it's all about the beer and the, the, the sausages. Um, so, uh, on, let's see, I, we kind of missed some of the, uh, lunches and some of the, the ancillary events right. that were going on. Um, I, we actually had kind of a, a working lunch, uh, mm -hmm. with, with some people on, uh, Saturday, right. uh, before the premiere, mm -hmm. uh, so I think we actually missed some important information and I didn't actually make it onto the, the red, the real red carpet. Right. Um, I don't know if we were supposed to, uh, or not. I mean, that was mostly for, you know, Aaron and his family and the crew that worked on it. Right. Uh, and then, you know, we had some, we had Her Herman Cain was there. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, of course the stars of the film, which end mm -hmm. up being, uh, Bill Godshaw and David Gerlitz. Um, for those that don't know, if you're, I assume if you're listening to this, then you know that David Gerlitz is the former Winston man, right. and uh, Bill Godshall is the executive director of Smoke Free Pennsylvania. Um, so they were sort of the ones that were um, giving a lot of background on, uh, you know, uh, how public health in the United States is um, basically corrupt. Uh, and, uh, you know, it is, is, uh, putting the kibosh on this, uh, very promising technology in order to protect, uh, profits for certain industries, pharmaceuticals right. mainly. Um, and, uh, one thing I will say that I, I really did like about the film was uh -huh. that they paid, uh, a lot more attention to snooze than I had expected. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, it is, and I, I hope that that particular segment of the, it, I mean, it's sort of, it's, it's, it's not, peppered isn't really the right term to use. It's, it's a critical part of the, the science discussion about mm -hmm. what we know about smoke-free products. Right. And, uh, and, and that is, you know, something that I think a lot of vapors don't realize is that smokeless tobacco really is kind of the original form of tobacco harm reduction. Sure. And, and there is, there's lots of data to back that up. And so um, a lot of that information is imparted in, in the movie. And, and I found that to be very valuable and, and very appreciative of that section, sure. um, those, those sections. Uh, mm -hmm. And of course you have experts from the UK, uh, Clive Bates is featured in it. Um, right. uh, I can't, I, I'm horrible with names and I'm gonna miss a bunch of people, um, but the, you know, the ones that I know and I have met of course, um, I believe Ricardo Pelosa's in there, uh, Clive Bates and, uh, um, Oliver, um, from Kershaw uh, or Oliver Kershaw is, is yeah. in there as well. Um, and so, uh, a very well-rounded, you know, cast of, uh, uh, very knowledgeable people speaking about vapor products and, um, some important, uh, kind of, uh, very personal testimonials from a couple of people. I don't want to give everything away because, right. um, you know, people should really go see this. Uh, I, I, I will say, and I think I, I, I want to kind of echo things that I think Aaron, Aaron Biebert has said, is mm -hmm. that 
this is not necessarily a film for the vaping community. If right. you've been engaged in this issue, um, it, you kind of already know a lot of this stuff. It's, it's, it's not necessarily going to blow your mind. This is for people who are, are, are skeptical of, mm -hmm. of tobacco harm reduction. Um, right. I, I, but I do immediately have to roll some of that back because of the discussion about snus. Okay. Um, so to some extent, if you're a vapor and you don't understand the wide range that, that what is all covered under the tobacco harm reduction umbrella, um, uh -huh. this, this film may very well be an eye opener to you. Uh -huh. Um, I, I can see a lot of, um, sort of the diet. So, you know, you have those vapors that have sort of turned anti-smoking. Uh -huh. Um, and, yeah. and I think for, I think for a lot of them, this would be, um, an eye opening film. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah, I'll immediately take that back. There's a whole, there's a large segment of the vaping community that does not, <laughs> does not understand the tobacco harm reduction argument. And recently, you know, I have seen discussions where people were sort of questioning Casa's uh, mission in, mm -hmm. in that we, we support all forms of smoke-free products, sure. uh, nearly all forms of smoke-free products. I know that there's some that are out there that are just absolutely oh. horrible. Gutka, um, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not, not stuff like that. Um, yeah. but, uh, by and large, you know, smoke-free tobacco products and, and vapor products fall under that, that, that harm reduction umbrella. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was well done. It was a good event. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, I, uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't disclose the fact that the fire alarm did go off in the movie theater. <laughs> um, I heard rumors. Uh, apparently somebody was in the bathroom and they were they vaped in the bathroom and it set off the fire alarm and it was it, it was kind of it was sort of funny because it, it was funny and embarrassing at the same time um right. but it you know there was a a, a large segment of the the crowd um got up to evacuate uh -huh. And um, it, it was not half the audience. It wasn't, you know, <laughs> nothing like that. But it was, you know, people that I'm sure were unaware of what happens at vape events. <laughs> and there's, it's not always, but every now and then, yeah. more often than we would like, somebody <laughs> sets off a fire alarm because they're vaping too close to it or too too much volume or whatever yeah. and it's you know this could have well been an accident i mean it was just it, yeah. it was it, somebody just didn't think it through and whatever mm -hmm. and it well, was you know it was somebody actually behind us remarked like you know all the vapors here know that this is just somebody made a bad move and it's not <laughs> it's not real it's not yeah. you know yeah well i mean Stealth vaping, I hate to say it, this is, when I first started vaping, like, we didn't really, we didn't really vape in public. You see the large volume of vapor coming out of a lot of the, I don't want to say newer vapors, but the younger vapors. We didn't really do that. Um, we had to learn how to vape without creating visible vapor. So we mm -hmm. didn't upset people. Because mm -hmm. this was new technology, people weren't used to seeing it, and you know, the panic between smoke and vapor. I think that's a an art form that's not really taught anymore. 
I, I don't know if the devices don't support that or, or whatnot, but it was kind of a skill we all had to learn, you know, take a short drag and blow the vapor down your shirt, um, all that sort of thing. Just so you didn't, I guess, what, scare the straights. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think people just don't do that anymore. They don't feel the need to, or they don't see any reason to. Like it, it I don't know. But uh, that would have been that would have been a good uh, talent for people to learn. Yeah, and you know, I, I would be curious to see um, some research into that. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think you've pointed out something really valuable there is that people use these products wildly differently than they used to. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, we have these kind of weird discussions about, you know, like if you're using a product with really high nicotine, you're doing it wrong. Or, you know, if you're, if you're not using it a specific way, you're doing it wrong. And that's not, right. you know, that's, it sort of kind of goes um, uh, against the overall goal here, which is to just move people to a, a smoke-free alternative. That's that's mm -hmm. the goal here, um, right. and uh, and actually, and that even even that, I, I think that you know, ethically, we can't even argue that that is the goal. The goal here is to provide people with that option, provide right. people with the resources to make that decision on their own. That's the mm -hmm. goal, yeah. um, and so uh, you know, but. You know, I've had conversations with people, and I think that this is something that's been known for a while. Is that you know this the high wattage, high volume vaping is mm -hmm. it, it 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 is likely not exposing people to the same amount of risks that they were getting from smoking cigarettes, but right. it is still exposing them to a higher level of risk than what is I think ideal here, and well, and yeah. and that's something that bears more research and. Um, and more conversation, and, and yeah. I, I, I have no, absolutely no intention of fear mongering people. No, 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 no. I, I don't either. I, I, I can tell you about that. Right, no, no, and I can tell you, like years ago, Cisco sat down and ran numbers of of what it would take, how high a wattage and and voltage, and um, what kind of e liquid you would have to use to get a certain sort of acrylin buildup okay. do you know what i mean I, on Acre your coils acrylin mm -hmm. um and he was saying you know vg was like one of the worst things and you know above a certain amount of wattage it kind of cooks the e-liquid mm -hmm. right and it, it creates that that chemical that you're absorbing when you smoke a cigarette and how healthy could that really be and when we talked about this years ago and we said, oh, that will never happen. I think we were uh, wrong. We underestimated the market is what yeah. happened. It, but, it's, it's happening. And, and yeah. it's, you know, people are, are definitely, it, it's sort of like they, they're, they're trying to recreate the experience of smoking, but they've, they've sort of hot rotted it now to where it's this, you know. It, it's very, it's very showy. It, it's, it's very and, showy. You know, in its own right, I understand that is it is enjoyable. I mean, there's a uh -huh. flavor, there's a warmth to it, and there's the volume of it that people find very appealing. And you know, um, it is what it is. But you know, down the line, I think that we're all going to be very curious about what what real, credible science has to say about it. And 
you know, our hope, I think, as Kassa is that, you know, we're going to eventually get to a point where we can trust the science that's coming out <laughs> uh, and we can identify that, you know, the people that are actually, you know, genuinely interested in, in improving um, people's health. Mm -hmm. sure. um, so, yeah, enough about that. And, <laughs> but I, I will add to that that, you know, I, you know, I travel with Julie a lot and she manages to, to vape in places and, and do it discreetly that it doesn't raise any eyebrows. I managed to do it. I have a sub ohm tank on a variable wattage device. And, you know, I managed to not have to, you know, fog out a table um, with people <laughs> sitting at it. So, you know, it's, it's not difficult. It really isn't. And, and I get, you know, a, 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 a useful dose of, of nicotine when I, when I do it that way. Right. And, uh, you know, I prefer to be able to, to blow a nice cloud and mm -hmm. uh, enjoy the flavor. But, you know, if I just want to, kind of maintain or take the edge off or relax a little bit in a place where I can't really vape mm -hmm. the discreet vaping takes care of that for me. So, yeah, you know, it, it is what it is. And, and again, well, I, you know, will ultimately want to defer to the science on that topic. Oh, sure. No. And I'm just saying, I think, um, I think what was it? The first or the second big vaping event where people found out that, um, fire alarms some of them are triggered by visual they have you know the, not the, actual the, smoke the, the ocular the, yeah the yeah. infrared yeah mm -hmm. um and i'm just saying i think stealth vaping would come in handy under those circumstances because you never know what places or facilities will have that mm -hmm. you know i don't know um the other thing i was going to say about a billion lives um I know Regal Cinemas here, if you lobby them that you want to see a film and there's enough sort of interest in it, they'll bring that film in. If it's a documentary or a niche thing, they will bring it into a few theaters to see how it plays. So maybe people who really want to see that should, you know, lobby Regal Cinemas. Yeah, I will. Uh, and I'll, I'll bring that point up with... Uh... Uh, with Aaron and, and I know that uh, Kurt Kurt Loblick, uh, mm -hmm. from uh, CCI has been been helping out a lot with promotion and, and mm -hmm. helping to get this movie going. So um, mm -hmm. if they're if they're not listening, then I'll bring it up. Maybe they already know because they're they're you know Aaron is in the industry and stuff. So uh -huh. probably hopefully not news to him. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing that happened. Mm -hmm at sure. a billion lives mm -hmm. was uh we were a, a small group of people um mm -hmm. which was bigger than a small group uh i guess there was maybe 30 people in the room um right. representing different businesses mainly um and, and different organizations uh we were in a room with uh senator ron johnson Herman Cain, and um, uh, oh, now I'm getting her, Vicki McKenna. Okay. Um, uh, for those that don't know, Vicki McKenna is a, uh, I believe, libertarian talk radio host. I think so, yeah. Uh, from, from Wisconsin, and she actually has Senator Johnson on her show uh, quite frequently. And now, of course, he seems to be doing regular appearances because of this whole vaping thing. 
um, mm -hmm. and she's a vapor. She, she quit smoking by switching to vaping. Um, so, uh, you know, it was meant as, as sort of an opportunity to share some thoughts with, with Senator Johnson. Mm -hmm. um, and I, uh, it was a little bit more strictly managed than that, but um, right. I, uh, I was able to, to introduce myself after uh, the kind of formal segment mm -hmm. of the get together and, and uh, exchanged information. And uh, so hopefully, uh, you know, oh, that's good. that connection. And ultimately, you know, we're, we're hopeful that uh, the work that he's doing to, to hold FDA's feet to the fire over this whole <laughs> small business thing um, is uh, that that will, that will happen sooner rather than later. Um, yeah. But uh, that's something I think that we'll get into more detail later on. But uh, just wanted to share that, that, you know, we had some, uh, some valuable time with, right. uh, you know, uh, a former Senator Her Herman Cain, who now is, a uh, has a very popular talk radio show. And I believe that Aaron Bieber was, uh, uh, interviewed on his show, uh, today. I missed the portion that he was on, but, That's cool. um, from what I understand, Herman Cain has about 6 million people listening. Um, oh, wow. so that's some wonderful exposure in the United States for the film. Oh, yeah. Um, sure is. And, and then, of course, uh, valuable time with Senator Johnson. So um, that was a that was a good thing that uh, we were able to participate in. And I'm mm -hmm. very appreciative to Aaron and uh, uh, I believe uh, Mark Block, uh, who works with Herman Cain, uh, mm -hmm. sort of helped to set that up. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, that was. Uh, that was that. And then yeah, there was a good after party that was well mm -hmm. attended. And um, I ended up, I, I showed up, I was very tired. I had to get up at six o'clock in the morning, catch a flight. So I only meant to kind of pop in and say hi to a few people and then go back to the hotel. Right. Um, and I ended up in sort of a prolonged discussion with Bill Godshall, um, which is not rare. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it was a good time. And then I hopped on a plane. I flew home. I came home. I got home around four o'clock yesterday and I was falling asleep for five hours. Mm -hmm. So I'm on a very weird sleep schedule now. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Is, is your wife still in Canada? Yeah, she, we, we, I, she's made me swear that I will be on a normal sleeping schedule by the time she gets back. Um, but, uh, <laughs> well, that's a good thing. I'm trying. Fortunately, I'm not like doing the like super time zone shuffle over the next two weeks. Yeah, uh, only going to Oklahoma and Dallas. Um, so, which is going to be kind of interesting. I believe that A Billion Lives is being screened again in Oklahoma wow. City uh, cool. this this weekend. So, if you did not get to see it in Milwaukee and you were planning to go to Oklahoma City Vape Jam, I don't know what the ticket situation is. Right. Um, that might already be sold out, but it's worth checking into. Mm -hmm. um, so there'll be another another screening in Oklahoma this weekend. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, it's August eighth. The sky hasn't fallen yet. There's still opportunities to take. There's still directions we can go in. So, even though it feels like. A horrible time it's not really as bad as i think i thought it would be mods are still working juice is still able to be purchased and hopefully people who are selling juice online actually have access to some sort of 
ability to check ages. Yeah, That's kind I, of a big thing. I kind of imagine that the age verification stuff is going to be that's going to be the big thing that they're going to come down on first, which is mm -hmm. almost laughable. Right. Um, I, I mean, in the online environment, sure, that it makes sense that they would step up enforcement there because right. there really is that I, I think only two or three states actually require um, age verification for online sales. Right. Um, but uh, you know, at least in the brick and mortars, you know, like I've said before, this, this deeming regulation only took care of Pennsylvania and Michigan. Um, right. So, you know, way to yeah. go FDA. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think enforcement of age verification for online sales is going to be a big one. And I, I do understand that I, I think people are probably having some under, you know, predictable early struggles with uh, getting, getting up to speed with new, age verification software um, mm -hmm. and so that's that's to be expected right um, but yeah generally you know the vape shops are open and and people should should continue to shop and and I encourage you know it's we from an advocacy perspective we're in a very unique position right now mm -hmm. in that um, you know for all of the years that we have been trying to convince people that this was about to happen right. and that they need to get involved and get educated and get active. Mm -hmm. Now they are actually faced with the ugly reality <laughs> of, you know, going into a vape shop and finding out that certain products and services are either not available anymore or are changing. Right. Um, that, uh, that should inspire a lot of people to take action and hopefully what we're seeing today continues on through the rest of the week. We need, we need tens of thousands more people getting engaged. Mm -hmm. um, and, sure. and yeah, that's, that's how we do this. Yeah. I have nothing else. You know, the lawmakers need to know what sort of complications these laws have made for people who are just ordinary people trying to run a small business because I think they're completely unaware of it. And, you know, the tremendous potential of, of these products to benefit public health that, yeah. that, that alone justifies lawmakers taking a second look at, um, you know, what the appropriate way to, <laughs> to, to regulate the industry would be. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, nobody's, Nobody's advocating for anarchy here, you know. Yeah. You know, there, there, there are things I think that uh, policymakers can explore that mm -hmm. would actually be, in the long run, beneficial to beneficial to consumers and beneficial to manufacturers. Yep, I so. agree. I, it feels like we've <laughs> reached the end of the things we could possibly talk about this evening, Alex. Do you agree? I do agree, and I'm tired. Okay. So oh, go lay <laughs> and, and down. I, and and I have another uh, another uh, uh, one. Of, uh, I have another video thing to do tonight. Um, with uh, oh. I'll be on I'll be on Plumes of Hazard later. I don't normally plug other shows, but okay, no, um, please. They have, they have been very good about uh, 
having yeah. some quality information on there. Sure, exactly. Plug away. We're all part of the same community. So I, I, I think that's at like 10 o'clock. I don't I, okay. I screwed up the time, but whenever Plumes of Hazard is on, I'll be <laughs> on there tonight. Awesome. I will check it out before I go lay down and take a headache pill. Yeah. Thank you so much for everything you do for us, Alex. And yeah. we'll see you next week, maybe? Uh, maybe not. I might be traveling back from Oklahoma. We'll see. We'll see how my flights line up. Okay. Hey, but it looks like there's going to be 10 viewings of a billion lives in Oklahoma. 10? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Oklahoma is so, a lucky state. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Alex. And we'll see you the next time. If not next week, then maybe the week after or the week after that. We understand that you're busy. Thank you for everything you do for us. Thank you. Good night. Night. Okay. Um, Barry, why don't you start talking about UK Vape Fest? Because I hate to say it. I drank a bunch of Red Bulls because they're the only <laughs> thing that help with my headache. And I have to, I have to, I have to visit the restroom. <laughs> okay. So. Thanks. Yeah, this past weekend, it was the fifth UK Vape Fest, but the third that's at the venue it's at now, which is an agricultural showground, which isn't different to most shows anywhere. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not as bad as it sounds. All the vendors have giant tents. You know, like big show tents. And so did three of the UK forums. You know, members put money in and so each three of the three forums had their own space for their members to meet up. Uh, I was involved in one of those. Um, and and it's, we're referred to as the fluffy bunnies. It tends to be the old, mostly older vapors. Um, so yeah, yeah, we had our, our tent with the hot water machine so everybody could get tea and coffee. I know people brought along tea, coffee, cups, teaspoons, sugar, everything we need, you know. But, so, yeah. Friday morning, I had to get up at half past three a.m. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not a problem for me, insomnia. Uh, right. So I could eat, get ready, and go catch a train. Uh, it wasn't a very long train journey because I got picked up by three other Scottish vapors and we drove the rest of the way. So, huh. uh, we, we arrived down at the venue at about half past three in the afternoon. Right. Uh, because the other amazing thing about Vapefest UK in its current venue, because it's an agricultural showground, you can, some if you wanted to, you could camp... You could mm -hmm. take a tent along, or a caravan, or a mobile home. Um, right. Uh, so instead of pay, having to pay for a hotel, you'd be on site. <laughs> um, That's cool. By the time I arrived, there was already other people setting up. So, you know, uh, good stuff. And slowly, like over the course of the evening, more and more people arrive. And Friday night, mm -hmm. of course, is the party night because it's the night before the event. Mm -hmm. So 
much alcohol was in the place. <laughs> also, much joy because it's for vapors. You know, it's you've not mm -hmm. seen some of these people for a year since the last mm -hmm. one. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's a big party basically. Sure. Um, it certainly is for me because living where I do, apart mm -hmm. from the people I went down with, I don't see many of the others face to face. Uh, so yeah, mm -hmm. very, very social. People got very, very drunk. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> falling over, uh, people losing mods <laughs> and finding them in their pocket. You know, all the classic stuff. <laughs> and best bit, no smoke alarms to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah. Well, of course you're outdoors. So... Yeah. And, you know, people bring along their barbecue equipment. So you've got food, drink, friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Big, big party. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't drink much. But, you know, I had a few drinks. Uh, yeah. Eventually I went off to, well, as I said, lie down. Because... Mm -hmm sleep well I didn't know if I was going to be doing that um, mm -hmm. but yeah I got 45 minutes or so of sleep on the Friday night oh my god <laughs> how do you not walk up. around with a constant crushing headache uh, I believe there's this um, there's these amazing drugs called <laughs> caffeine, nicotine and sugar uh, <laughs> that mainly seem to keep me okay uh yeah. But yeah, I, I wasn't the only one awake at that time. You know, that time in the morning. You know, it's, right. Yeah, you know, I will. You know, I basically. Oh, sun's coming up. Yeah. Uh -huh. Get get dressed. Go off. Have your wash. Get ready. Right. Make a cup of tea. Bacon sandwiches. You know. Uh huh. Because I'd brought mine cooking gear, obviously. And other people start right. getting up. Uh huh. So it's all the good morning and. Commiserating mm -hmm. with people about their eyes, uh, <laughs> their inability to move properly, you know, hangovers, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the the event actually starts officially at ten o'clock, and I will right. say, the first, the people for the people who weren't on site, mm -hmm. and we couldn't go in where the vendors had set up. Uh, right. technically until 10 o'clock although there was some bleed obviously right. it being a wide open field it's very hard for them to stop people just wandering across um, mm -hmm. but yeah I'd say the, um, I know the first people the first people in the queue for the general public to get in mm -hmm. arrived about, uh, ooh, about, about quarter nine in the morning mm -hmm. I know this because I walked into the town, this is Shrewsbury, mm -hmm. um, to get cash out of the cash machine. Right. Because I'm, I'm Scottish. Uh, you, you, Scottish comedians go on about it, that lots mm -hmm. of people down in England look at Scottish bank. We, Scotland has its own banknotes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Lots of English people, when you hand them Scottish banknotes, look at it as if it's you know, An money insect? from Nigeria. <laughs> like, um, I had okay. one, the reason why I went to the cash machine is because last year I went, I mean, I don't go there to buy, but 
there was a good deal on a Zephyrus V2 last year. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, and it was the only place, the only other vendors that had it. So I went to pay for it, gave the guy the money, and he looked at it. I'm going to have to ask my boss. <laughs> Came back, yeah, it's fine. Well, well of course, <laughs> it's pounds. Just because it's got different pictures on it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But anyway, so I'd gone to get money, so that's how I knew when the queue started. Because mm-hmm. literally, when I walked into town, this couple of young people were walking the other way. Mm-hmm. And... When I walked back out, they were sitting outside the gates. <laughs> and I walked. They, they looked rather confused because, of course, they saw me walking one way vaping because I was using my subtle small box. Oh, uh, yeah, your subtle small box that, yeah. like, if I tried to hold it, be like th- trying to hold Thor's hammer. Yeah, yeah that one? Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> one. Yeah, that's my vape fest mod. Okay. Right. Oh, okay. Um, I'll, I'll get into why it's my vape fest mod. Vapefest mod later because that's okay. part of the day. Uh, okay. And of course, when I walk back, heading back to my tent to have another cup of tea, waiting for the everything to start. Right. Uh, of course, they're sitting there on on a little curb, va- mm-hmm. vaping, and I walk straight past them vaping. Right. And of course, they wondered where I was going, because <laughs> of course, there's the main gates, but all the camping people and the vendors were coming in through the gates at the far end <laughs> right. so they're out of sight from the main gate but there's security oh. anyway uh, okay. to stop people getting in who didn't only only vendors and people with camping passes could get in so yeah Okay. So, and so, then it kicked so... off and I did my usual thing which was <laughs> I took my camera I haven't edited the video yet for reasons that I'll get into uh, uh-huh. <laughs> took my camera and just did a quick run round of the whole site mm-hmm. the actual show site not the camping site showing just you know all the all the stalls that were there mm-hmm. and some of them were still setting up and everything but yeah just the zip round and what I do is I edit it in a little two minute video you know at high speed and mm-hmm. just go and this because you don't need to say they've all got signage so you just go and this is all the people that were here Right. Okay, there's a couple of breaks in that because there's vendors I know really well. And right. St- stop, turn the camera off, say hi, <laughs> hope you mm-hmm. have a good day. Well, I'll see you later. Back on with the yeah. camera, keep moving around. And yeah, it's getting longer every year. As I say, there are 75 vendors there this year. Mm-hmm. Which uh, in the UK, you know, that's a lot of vendors. <laughs> yeah. There are lots of ones that had been there previously and a few new ones. There were. Mm-hmm. Due to, I don't know what, some of the bigger vendors weren't there. Right. Uh, but that's due to, there's another big show in October. Uh, right. I think some of the ven- some of the bigger vendors are like, well, we won't go to the sort of more social event. We'll go to the expo type event later in the year. Uh-huh. So, sure. yeah, and, and, and I'll get into that. I'll get into it a little bit later, but yeah, there's less people this year than last year probably mm-hmm. for the same reason because mm-hmm. yeah in previous years vape fest was like the big show of the year at that time of year because mm-hmm. the schools are on holiday so you right. have families coming along you know it's like they don't have to worry about 
somebody to look after the kids because the kids are on mm-hmm. holiday. So you know, bring the kids. And there yeah. were a lot more families this year. Uh, oh, families! Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, people, I guess people or pets, everything. <laughs> when I say that it's camping, wow. it was just like a campsite attached to the side of a an open air vaping event. Wow. <laughs> yeah, there was a f- f- oh, probably at least a. There's more than a hundred people just camping. All right. the hotels were full of vapors as well. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, I found out that morning that yet yeah, one of the hotels had had the vaping incident. <laughs> Cloud chaser in his room. Ah, well, that's kind of and all, um... the, all the other while while they're all in the car park while the fire brigade do what they do. Right. This guy was completely unapologetic. <laughs> To the other vapors mm-hmm. who are like you're an ass <laughs> we're all standing mm-hmm. outside at four in the morning because mm-hmm. you can't open a window <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> <laughs> but anyway so i did my run round and then yeah. of course i started doing my my tour properly look at the vendors and right. when i was talking to people like um some of the audience will know gary dibley he was there I, I, you know, his, Ga- yeah. Gary Dibley sold me my first mod. Yep. I had he, been vaping on a. Unsurprising, since when he was modding, he was one of only about four in the world. So yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he did. He sold me my first mod, and um, it was the first mod I wore on a switch on. Yep. And I had been using a five ten for two weeks, and said, "Oh, f- fuck it, I can't do it." I've got to have 20 extra batteries. I can't do this. I need to find something better. I don't care if it looks like a shoe. At this point, I've got to have something better. Um, And so he sold me my first mod because uh, my soldering skills are, they look like I applied them. When I solder, it it looks like I applied it with, you know, a spatula. (laughs) I'm no good at it. It takes a lot of practice to be good at soldering. Uh-huh. I'm still not good at soldering, and I've been making, I've been using soldering iron since I was about eight years old. Mm-hmm. But Gary, Gary is a proper electrical engineer. That's what he sure. does for a living. So he's really good at it. You, right. you watch his, you watch one of his videos of him soldering something, and you're like, he makes it look so easy. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so there's mm-hmm. Gary. Um, mm-hmm. There's a guy who used to be on VTTV. He's now a vendor, Jim Maitland. Okay. He runs Kraken. Okay. Kraken. He okay. Said hi to him. Uh, <laughs> continue round, you know. And there's all the vendors. And first pass, I was just saying hello to the ones I knew before it got busy. Yeah. Instantly, there's already. When I did the first pass round, there was already a giant queue outside T Juice, who I'm sure you've heard of. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They were there with their juice bar and their slushy bar. This is this is a new development from T Juice. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were serving vodka slushies. <laughs> Good God. Yeah. Well it's I guess the if UK. you're gonna do it. Well I don't I don't drink anymore, so when I go to get a slushy, like the most exciting <laughs> thing they can do for me here is there's a lady in town who makes them and she whips it with fresh vanilla ice cream, whatever yeah. flavor you get in your slushy, and that's pretty good. Yeah. Not quite the same as, as the kick from the alcohol. You know, I was, you know, I was saying hello yeah. to um, the people at uh, what is now Creme de Vape, 
used to be Cloud9 Vaping, which is one of the, old, mm -hmm. the oldest vendors in the UK. That's the ones that Five Pawns threatened to sue over <laughs> certain contents of liquids. Um, mm -hmm. But we won't go there. We're trying to be happy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> continue drink. And, of course, the whole time I'm walking around, I'm meeting people that are saying hello, and I'm desperately trying to remember who they are. Uh, mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, it was good. Prof Beard was there. Right. He he was, I didn't meet him till the third tour round because he, right. he was he was timing his arrival for the for the bar opening. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know, walked I up to him. Oh, Prof, good to see you. Uh, how's it going? And he's like, great. What time is it? And I'm like, it's ten to twelve. <laughs> and he's like, damn, ten minutes till the bar opens. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Prof Beard in years. Yeah, well, he's 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 a professor. He's he works oh, a lot. No, no, I know. I'm just saying. Like, I remember him from when I first started vaping. Yeah. Just like I remember, oh, what's the guy who made the screwdriver? Trog. Trog. There are certain people you just don't forget. Yeah. Um, I remember. I remember when Trog got himself banned from another forum he used to come to my forum and call that other place happy bunny land <laughs> <That's> drug, yeah <laughs> that is drug. although yeah. well as you guy. know three years ago the first time i went to vape fest at its current venue mm -hmm. i spent quite a bit of time talking to drug <laughs> he was there it's the only mm -hmm. time he's shown up at any of these sort of things uh, i was lucky mm -hmm. and he sh that's when he showed me the screwdriver three prototype yeah, I was. Yeah, because for people who don't know, I always say, yeah, he's still selling them. I, you know, but it, it, this goes back to a point somebody was actually making in the chat earlier. They were saying they're focusing on an older demographic yeah, because they, yeah. exactly, because there are people that just get a vape that works for them. They love it. They want to keep using it. And everybody keeps, you know, they stop selling the stuff for it. No, I, I was, Trug's, I'll tell you. Trug still sells screwdrivers and cartomizers. <laughs> well, I, um, when I first got to my happy vaping point, I was happy with a DSE 901 atomizer. <gasps> and you perfect. a clone. The first clone. Yeah, yeah I did. <laughs> I sure did. Trug's I was funny happy about that because he's like, well, yeah, obviously this, this is his take on the whole cloning issue, right? Right. Because he, he didn't have the ability to mass manufacture, so sure. he had the screw. The screwdrivers are made in China, uh -huh. so he knew there was going to be a clone because that's what of the Chinese course. do. And uh -huh. he sold as many screwdrivers as he could, as fast as he could, uh -huh. and did sell an awful lot before the DSE nine hundred one came out. Right. But he still got loads of customers anyway, because of course the DSE mm -hmm. 901, the buttons kept breaking and all that. Yeah. So it was a cheap copy, you know. Yeah. And he, well, he, he, he I, laughs at all the modders that are like, oh my God, the Chinese are copying my stuff. He's like, that's what they do. D that's exactly what change, they do. You know? Yeah, and I will tell you, I did eventually buy myself a real screwdriver and yeah. it still works. It still oh, yeah, works. I mean, it's bomb proof. Well, I mean, I will spring. say. I'm surprised we used to stack batteries. Yeah. I mean, we used to stack them and stuff. How unsafe was that? Yeah, especially <laughs> since the batteries weren't even weren't as good back then. No, they weren't. I mean, the only ones that um, 
we had at that point in time that like fit in there that were decent enough and carried enough voltage were fucking spider fires. Those are not great batteries. Yeah. <laughs> but but eventually yeah. we we got AWs and the like. And yeah, things got a lot better. We did. And oh, the AW now batteries. They were spoiled. And you know, Ooh. oh, we are. But I mean, do you remember? I mean, maybe it wasn't the same there, but it was kind of the same. Um, I think it was kind of the same everywhere, where we started really learning about batteries. Besides Battery University, which was a ubiquitous link. Candle power forums. <laughs> that was was the flashlight forums. Yeah, those guys know about batteries. Oh my god, <laughs> they love those things. Yeah. I mean, I used to think we were obsessive. Oh no, 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 no. no. These guys take it to a whole new level, and they they run all kind of tests themselves, and they make graphs and charts, and they really explain how batteries work, which is well, really if, cool. If you want to know, even now, what charger should I buy for my e-cigarettes? Where you should actually go is Candle Power Forums. Yep. Or was it Light exactly. Life or one of the others? Where Candle yeah, they, Power is pretty they will, good. They will, yeah. they will literally, they got. They don't just test it charging batteries. They take the damn thing no. apart and look at the components. Exactly. Well, that one's not as good because it uses the cheaper you know, capacitors in it. And yeah. you're like, oh exactly. my God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, those guys are obsessive. And that's, I know, when I first started, that's where we really learned all about batteries. Yeah, well, I mean, some of some of those, some of yes. those custom torches, yeah. I mean, we're, we're thinking we're putting a lot of power through a device. Oh, <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> no. Not, not no, compared no, no. to some of those, some of those handheld suns um, <laughs> <laughs> that those people build. Yeah, um, yeah their motors are really insane. Yeah. You've got this oh, thing yeah. and it's only it's only twelve million lumens. You're like <laughs> How can you still see? <laughs> Don't you get a sunburn when you turn that on at night? Yeah. I those guys are obsessive. Yeah. And I know that's in the beginning, that's where I first learned all about batteries and which ones were good to use for what. Yeah. Um you know That's when we first learned to fear fire in the names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hate to say it. I'm not really happy with the regulation because we got vaping to a point where anyone could do it. Yeah. Right. And that's the best now part we're going about back vaping. The other way. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're going back to a point where I'm like, I wonder if we'll have like private forums where we discuss how to modify stuff and how to make things again. Yeah. Because I think, well, generally speaking, we actually got a lot of support. Part of my vape story kind of involves some of that. Okay. Right, so that's me running around vaping. And obviously between <laughs> run, running around, mm -hmm. talking to people, uh, I'm dropping off at the forum tent and having a cup of tea and talking to the other forum members. Because, yeah, the forum I go to is mainly the older people. Sure. Those fluffy bunnies. <laughs> and it's a forum where there's no toleration of drama. If you start drama... They're gonna they're gonna put your thread in this separate little bit of the forum, where the normal forum members don't have to read it. Um, it's that sort of place. It's like oh, nice. you're, you're, it's kicking off, right? That thread's being moved. Boink. And only the people who are already in the conversation can see it anymore, right? Um, right. <laughs> kind of a good strategy. So yeah, mm -hmm. it means it's 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 a very friendly forum. We right. have we have younger people in there these days. 
Well, but um, you know. not many, but some come mm-hmm. across it and go, oh, this is so different. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, everybody's not arguing all the time. It's like, sure. You weren't at the part. You, you weren't, you obviously haven't been to one of the meets and the after hours when everybody's drunk. <laughs> the the talking pish as a Scottish mm. person. That's how I, <laughs> yeah, drunk people start arguing about stupid mm-hmm. things. Right. Yeah. And older people are really good at that, right? <laughs> <laughs> not so much when they're not drinking, though, and not yeah. when they're trying to get information. Yeah. Then they're exactly. very, very serious. Oh, yeah. It's right. the prob- it is the friendliest forum, I think. Uh, right. That's why, I'm, that's why it's the one where I, I hang out most, even though I'm on all of them. Yeah. Right. But anyway, also at the same time, as I say, I'm walking about with my subtle, small, handheld device. Hmm. <laughs> That, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, I'm. I'm often worried it's going to get mistaken for a cigarette. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, you're I'm, not. <laughs> uh, you, yeah, me being sarcastic. No, I know. <laughs> but I am to people who's, if if live in front of my face, tell me, oh, I'm worried about them being mistaken for a cigarette. I know. I'm trying to find a fo- one of the photos, just for oh, anyone good. who's not aware who's. Might be in chat. Where is Artos? There he is. Artos the Celt. <laughs> yeah, I have it's a, a tiny... I have, a, I have a interesting naming strategy for my mod. Yeah, it's a tiny, subtle little mod. If you it's ever t- get to look at it, it's you'll... Just, oh, it's just so small. Uh, <laughs> I mean... Just right for petite the, hands. The battery, <laughs> when I built it, only lasts five days at 60 watts. It's only yep. got one battery, technically. Technically, yeah, Technically. your subtle little mod. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm walking about with that, and one mm-hmm. re- one reason I did it was the previous, the first year, mm-hmm. somebody had seen what I was holding because I make my own, and was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, that's, that's big." So then the next <laughs> year, I made one that was slightly bigger, and then I'm not going to go bigger than Artos. <laughs> it's actually it's oh. actually with 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 uh with a tank on it it's only mm-hmm. still the same weight as a say an rx 200 it's not too bad oh yeah <laughs> lightweight materials and all that um right so so when you're walking about like a, oh there's a new modder so you go over to say hello and have a look at their uh-huh. stuff and they start on their sales spiel uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, and it's a such and such. And they look up and they go, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> so then you're like, oh, I'm a modder as well. I don't sell, yeah. so you don't have to worry about competition. But, mm-hmm. no, it's this, this, this. And they're like, wow. <laughs> and I'm like, well, mm-hmm. you know. And so you get that. And also from liquid vendors who are like, come in and try our, what, what the, literally, I could, Officially, it's called Artos the Celt, but it, equally, it could be called What the Fuck's That? Because <laughs> that's mm-hmm. 99% of the time, that's what comes out of people's mouths, because it's the UK. We're not that worried about swearing. Right. <laughs> As you know, you, you've spoken mm. to a lot of us over the years. Oh, yes. I, I keep having to, you know, <laughs> say to Jeannie, no, no, you don't swear a lot. She, she should come no. for a visit, you know. She, Jeannie says fuck a lot. Yeah, that's nothing. You know, here. 
the, the people from there are people in the Scotland UK and get, Scotland have yeah. a very interesting sweary rant. Yeah. Well, I mean, I when know they're people, angry, I know people who can get fuck multiple times in a sentence, let alone multiple times during a conversation. Um, yeah. You know, it's just <laughs> like an exclamation point. It's part of the you know language. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, so you, you go around and also. You have people coming up and they say the phrase and they're like, did you make uh -huh. that yourself? And you're like, yeah. And there, there's a few of these this, this year as well. And it's usually a younger person. And they're like, mm -hmm. oh, I've tried to make my own, but you know, oh, the soldering, as you said, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it, it is a skill. Um, mm -hmm. so, so you take the time to give them pointers. Um, right. I mean, I can't do it with that box. I have mm -hmm. other ones that I can show them, you know, take the back off and go, look, it's not that much wiring, you don't have to worry. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, having, having a larger, <laughs> a larger <laughs> device, which I still maintain, uh -huh. is handheld and pocketable, because it fits in my <laughs> hand, and it fits in my combat treasure pocket, so uh -huh. therefore it is a, it's hand size and pocketable. Uh-huh. Um, uh -huh. I admit, even a combat trousers, the the tank sticks out at the top, but fine, right? Right. <laughs> um, yeah. I would have had a smaller box this year, but as said on last week's opening of the show, oh. the, the DNA incident, but I'm past that now, mostly. I, you know, like I said, never mind. I'm, I'm not going to get started yeah. on so, that. Basically, I run around all day, talking to people, meeting old friends, meeting new friends, mm -hmm. and generally having a good time of it, because this year I decided not to do too much filming and taking photographs mm -hmm. and all that. I'm like, I'll just see how I feel. Also, I discovered who the speakers were at the Vapors and Power tent. Uh -huh. I'll, I'll drop in the mention, Vapors and Power are an official political party for Vapors that was set up during the whole TPD thing and right. we had up elections upcoming and they do a fine job and usually they are they are um, to mm -hmm. be found with NNA people as well because mm -hmm. the two are kind of linked different they, names they can... but advocacy so yeah yes so I found out mm -hmm. um, there was a man by the name of Andrew Allison mm -hmm. who was going to be the first speaker mm-hmm uh, and he is part of the Freedom Association, who in the US people will not be too familiar with. But they, mm, no. they're, uh, they've been around a long time, um, and they, right. they pick issues and fight for those issues. They're a libertarian mm. organization. Right, that's what I was going to say. Actually, they do a lot of work in Australia and stuff too. They're, they're pretty impressive. Anyway, go ahead. They just finished up with the whole Britain leaving Europe thing. Sure. And Brexit. the next one they're doing is freedom to vape. Good for them. They are going to be advocating for vaping. Then I found out the next speaker is mm -hmm. is the infamous Dick Puddlecoat. Now, if any of the audiences do not know who Dick Puddlecoat is, oh, how can you we not? We will know? give them the link and they can Sir laugh their Richard. ass off. <laughs> <laughs> reading Sir him Richard. talking about public health. Yeah. 
Um, okay. So, yeah, I, I was walking about all day, talking to people and everything, but in my head was the times for the speeches. And, yeah, I made it this year. So I got to meet Dick Podlecoat in person, listen to him speak for an hour. His his speech was on the... I mean, the, the Freedom Association, Andrew basically talked about who they were and that, you know, we're, we're the next thing they're supporting. We're like, yay! Now, I will say, even, even though it's great they have the advocacy at the show, obviously there weren't that many people stopped and listened, but even if you get one person, that's good. So then we went on to Dick, who basically just summarised what he'd done with his blog in the year since he spoke last year at Vapefest. So there's all the stuff to do with the TPD, um, crazy public health people and their holiday stories. You know what I mean. Others can read about it. Don't want to spoil too much. The um, He talked about the amazing thing we did with the House of Lords. Because Vapors did set a precedent with the House of Lords campaign. It's the first time in history every single Lord has been contacted on an issue by members of the public. <laughs> every single one of them. Um, majority of them, I think it was at least three people contacting them. Uh -huh. Hence why the debate on that was quite amazing. Um, that's a separate issue. So I, I said hello to Dick and asked him how he manages to control his sarcasm. <laughs> People who've read Dick know that that's a joke in itself. Uh, but kind uh -huh. of true, because I have trouble controlling mine. Uh, <laughs> I have to, you know, sometimes when those Twitter sarcasm. things come up, mm -hmm. I've got to wait a couple of hours before I can reply. Uh, mm. Otherwise, it's not going to be... Yeah, it's not going to be as subtle as it could be. Um, shall we Sarcasm say? is a gift, though. I, it's I think a weapon. some people are. It's it, if it's used correctly, it's a weapon, but it's a yeah. gift. Yes. And very few people are born with it. Um, I've always said I think when it comes to text, there should probably be a sarcasm font because some people yeah. don't get it. I have to clearly mark when I'm being sarcastic. I have to clearly mark it with asterisks yeah. so people know. I don't. Yeah. I just live for the consequences. Um, <laughs> um, Not me so much. But uh, anyway, so it was yeah. good, you know, good couple of good speeches, which was excellent. Mm -hmm. And as I say, I was wondering about meeting all these people. And then it was time for the raffle. Right. Now, every year at Vapefest, like at many events worldwide, mm -hmm. vendors donate prizes. Prizes. Mm -hmm. Um. At the year's, this year's Vape Fest, there were 50 prizes for the general raffle. And I think mm -hmm. it was another 20 just for the people who were camping. Right. And I I won't go into too much detail, mm -hmm. uh, but I won one. Yes, you did. I did. I was happy. I mean, I always I pay for the tickets, you. but right. it's the first time I've won. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Marco. <laughs> Marco Van Basten, VTTV. It was his fifth, and he mm -hmm. hasn't won yet. But he's fine. He was he was videoing people collecting their prizes. <laughs> um, I'll I'll get the link for that as well because people will want to see maybe 
Right. What? I had, and it is nice. So yeah. uh, it was about three hundred pounds worth of stuff was in my bag. Wow. Fifty bags were, you know, seventy bags in total were given out. Right. Yeah, it's the largest raffle in the mm -hmm. world for vaping stuff by yeah. a long, long way. You know, yeah. you know, thousands of pounds worth of stuff was given away. Um, That's awesome. And this. Partly, the sales from the tickets, of course, fund the event, which mm -hmm. is why I'm always happy to buy the tickets, right. winner or not. Obviously, this mm -hmm. time, I was one of the lucky ones. Um, <laughs> some of the stuff that was in it, I gave away almost straight away because mm -hmm. I knew it wasn't for me. Um, but amongst it was the Cooper Primus, if you all know what that is. Um, right. It's a temperature control mod similar to an RX200. Mm -hmm. uh, having used it for the last couple of days, it is basically a squashed RX200. Um, <laughs> battery life features all pretty much the same. Uh, mm -hmm. But that's what happens with vaping devices. You get loads yeah. of things that basically are the same, just a different shape. There was a lovely fruity variety pack from creme de vape the aforementioned mm -hmm. long-term vendor that been around and it's got it's only eight milligram nicotine but i didn't that i didn't give that away because lisa gets <laughs> nice things right. but, you know she she only has the best liquids and stuff so yeah mm -hmm. i'm gonna have a try at that i got a beast you know the cloud beast sure the tv the tfv8 Sub-ohm atomizer, the one that has mm -hmm. you're gonna get octocoil heads, quad coil heads, or a rebuildable deck for it. Right. Hence why it's called the Cloud Beast. Sure. Um. So there's that in there. There was an Efest Luck V4 mm -hmm. charger. Sure. Uh, another nice one, and the mm -hmm. highlight. Well, there's I will mention. Uh, Right, there, there was a problem with the MC uh, alcohol, I think, <laughs> it's safe to say. He was holding uh -huh. a can of beer for most of it. Um, so people weren't quite getting everything that was in the prize bundles when he was saying what was in the prize bundles. I certainly uh -huh. didn't. I waited, right. I waited until I got back to have a look in the bag. But there's like uh -huh. Clapton, a little bat, couple of Clapton coils. I don't know what uh -huh. they're made of, who makes them, whatever, but a little <laughs> container. Um, but the best prize, a £100 gift voucher for... Yes. It's a company that does shifts. It's Shifts Vapor, but there are now two companies because of the DPD. Uh -huh. The one company that sells stuff with nicotine in it, and then they've had uh -huh. to separate out the company that just sells flavouring. And that's one of the places I buy my flavourings from. So uh -huh. I'm delighted. £100 <laughs> worth of flavouring. I'm not awesome. going to have to buy flavouring for a long time. Um, yeah. And that was, as I say, that was just one prize bag. All that was uh -huh. in it. And the things I gave away were uh -huh. some batteries. Sure. E-Fest, who <laughs> long-term vapors will be familiar with. Uh and know mm -hmm. why when I, when the when I said I was going to give put them in the pay it forward box in the fo the forum tent. 
because that's something else the forum tent does or our one does i think the other ones do it as well people right. can take in equipment they don't use so much anymore <laughs> put it in a box if there's somebody else in the forum thinks they might like it they can just take it right so i was like I'll the put pay, it, I'll pay put, it forward box pay it forward yeah yeah so EFS batteries, I was like, well, I'll be putting these in the box, and somebody immediately went, oh, do you mind a half of those? And I went, good luck. Um, <laughs> just, we know, we, people know the history of EFEST, and they're interesting. Uh, I, I believe they've just had screw up number five happen. Adventures in battery making and reading yeah, and yeah. everything else. And there's another one just happened, apparently, but I won't go oh, into that because I haven't confirmed it yet. Although I did tell people like there's a there's a vendor at Vapefest, he's he's actually Scottish, called Torchy the Battery Boy. Yeah. Who is an expert in batteries and he does mm -hmm. he doesn't sell EFest anymore, which is all you need to know about EFest really. Um Yeah. <laughs> and the yeah. other thing that was in there was some liquids. There's always liquids mm -hmm. in all giveaways. Right. But in mm -hmm. this case well it wasn't a giveaway, I shouldn't say that. It was a prize. We had. It was tickets, a raffle so prize. It was official yes. gambling. So, fine. yes, it wasn't. They couldn't get us on giving free stuff away. Um, no. um, but the liquids that were in my particular pack, and any of these that I ever get liquid at, mm -hmm. it's never stuff that I'm going to use because it's normally <laughs> three or six milligram, and I can vape. 30 mils of three or six milligram in a couple of hours just because I'm trying to get the nicotine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'll give those away as well. I can't really vape. say anything because I still I still vape uh, 24. Well, that's that's one of the things where I when people get talking to me, liquid mm -hmm. vendors especially, funnily enough, mm -hmm. they're like, come and try my flavor. And I'm like, nah. They're like, oh, come on. And I'm like, what strength is it? Like, Three milligram. And I'm like, <laughs> I vape at 18. Mm -hmm. And then I always add at 60 watts just to see the look <laughs> on their face. Um, sometimes up well, to 80. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, I've got to say, the variable wattage devices really have delivered nicotine much more efficiently. Oh yeah, before before them I was on thirty milligrams, so yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah, more if I was having a bad day. But I don't really yeah. like high voltage though. So that's why I've kind of stayed at twenty four. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I've well, never well, I've only gone so high so that I can drop the nicotine down because mm -hmm. regulation. Just in case. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because it might be that it, they do actually manage to not have a black market, but <laughs> and that I, so I can't easily get hold of higher strength. But yeah, just in case, and yeah, higher watch. You don't need as much nicotine. Uh -huh. As I say, yeah, the levels I go up. Yeah, most people you'd imagine the look in the face. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that puts right. off the less committed liquid salesman. Funnily enough, because uh -huh. they're like, ooh. But there was one, and I nearly missed him. Uh -huh. There's there's a guy, Solid Rob Taylor. Uh huh. Now he was one of the RY4 radio DJs, who are now defunct because of the TBD, because they need sponsorship to be able to keep going, 
I don't know if to allow it anymore. So yeah, yeah. So he now works for a, a a company. You know, he's right. Works for a vendor. Mm -hmm. So I'd mistaken his pitch for a company that had been there the previous year because it was one of those mm -hmm. big inflatable igloo things you see at shows. Right. And there was only one company that had one of them the previous year, so I thought it was the same one, but it wasn't. <laughs> and mm -hmm. he came running out. You're going to go past without saying hello? I'm like, oh, sorry, I didn't know it was you. I thought it was Perino. Um, oops, said the name. but And it was actually Purity. Um, right. But yeah, he was one of the ones that, here, try this. And I'm like, well, you, you know that's not going to be my thing. And he's like, no, but try it anyway, and blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh. So, you know, I tried that liquid, three milligram, and it immediately hit my throat. It's got, I was like, has that got, has that got sucralose in it? <laughs> that, I don't know. Well, it's definitely got artificial sweetener in it. How right. do you know? Aluminium taste back in my mouth. Uh -huh. As soon as I inhaled. Uh, so I said, you stop doing that. And give him a bit of a telling off. But, right. Sorry, Rob. It's <laughs> not your fault. You didn't make it. Somebody thought it was a good idea to put artificial sweetener in for some reason, known only to them. Right. Let's face it, most e-liquids are sweet anyway. Um, uh -huh. VG will do that. Um, right. So, anyway, things like that uh -huh. happening. And, yeah, so I, I enjoy myself by going about scaring people, basically. Uh, <laughs> see the reaction on their face. Uh -huh. But it's part, of, it's part of the experience, isn't it? I am passing <laughs> information along. It's like, I am, I am proving the point that we are diverse. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. I, I am... High strength and high wattage vaping. Yeah, well, with a know. subtle small device. And, sure, mm -hmm. <laughs> keep telling everybody that they'll believe it eventually. I do, I do have a friend who refers to it as a wardrobe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it starts conversations. That's the point. So yeah, I I had a fantastic time. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Is there going to be Saturday another? Saturday was. The evening, right. the things wind down, but mm -hmm. it's a two-day event, so yeah, more <laughs> party Saturday night. <laughs> more people falling, le less than the first night, because people have had the first night, and uh -huh. don't drink, usually drink quite as much, um, but yeah, lots of people sitting around. Eating, drinking, talking pish. Right, um, after <laughs> much alcohol. Um, so you have another night of that. Uh, and then I didn't sleep at all that night. Oh, <laughs> um, but insomnia, what are you going to do? Yeah. No, and then the second, second day, well, you're getting ready to go home, so... Mm -hmm. But I did get three cups of gourmet coffee. Because I, I haven't mentioned this till now, but mm -hmm. the there's an Edinburgh set of vendors who mm -hmm. have been going for three years to right. to Vape Fest. Mm -hmm. uh, they were the ones who gave me a lift down on their coach to the first one in Shrewsbury. Right. But they bring with them last year and this year. Mitchell mm -hmm. Coffee, which is a, a, a fairly new coffee 
uh, company in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he makes coffee bags. Sure. Which, for people who don't know, it's like a tea bag, but it's got coffee in it. Mm-hmm. So you can have your proper coffee in things like camping environments and the like. Sure. It's like having proper filter coffee, because it is mm-hmm. proper filter coffee. Exactly. Um, and, yeah, it's good. It really is good. The man mm-hmm. is committed to his craft. <laughs> Not only does he take himself and his coffee to the event, he takes Scottish water all the way to the <laughs> event in the south, in, towards the south of England. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the Midlands, technically. Uh, right. Sort of length. It's towards the bottom of Wales. Uh, if you look mm-hmm. at a UK map, Shrewsbury. So... Um, yeah, he takes all the water he uses to make the coffee at the event from Scotland down to England, because that's the water he used when he was coming up with his blend. So mm-hmm. to sell it to people, he wants it to have its best possible flavour. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. It is slightly crazy, but well, people do crazy things for coffee. <laughs> but yeah, good news for him. Uh, he's just. He just he told me he just uh, sent off his first delivery to California, and my comment wow. was California is finally getting proper coffee, not, <laughs> not, yeah. not that horrible Seattle stuff. Um, <laughs> oh, I what, what is it? Illy, the Illy coffee. We have that. It's yeah. it's really good. We, we have a couple of real yeah, but Italian. You know, who, you know who I mean. It's the I know. Star, star twats. Yeah. Uh, and they're horrible, tasteless product. Um, well, they are one of the only people that carry the only kind of coffee I can use. Yeah, I've committed. Well, no, I gave you links. You can get it. You did. Yeah. No, no, I'm just saying not local, but yeah. not having to mail away for it. Yeah. So, I mean, they're good for a, a last ditch effort for coffee. Yeah, because. But I certainly think anybody who spends five to seven dollars on a cup of coffee needs their head examined. Yeah, well, this guy, this guy. I mean, the the catering, the catering van were charging. I think it's three, three pounds something for a coffee, mm-hmm. sure. and it's the generic bulk oh. bot filter coffee, and this oh. guy was giving you for three pounds a, a gourmet coffee. So, yeah, he, hey. he does quite a good trade at Vapefest. I, was, I would imagine. Especially since on the Sunday morning, he came yeah. running around everybody first thing in the morning mm-hmm. and went, I'm opening at half seven. First, so many customers get a free donut. <laughs> oh, and that's that brings in one of the other few little glitches in my Vapefest experience, but it doesn't mm-hmm. really worry me. He came okay. around just after I'd put on a pot on my camp stove to make some tea. Right. And get ready to have bacon rolls for my breakfast. Mm-hmm. And for for Americans, that that is proper bacon, not streaky. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we do different. We, we, our bacon you'd refer to as Canadian bacon. You know, nice, ah. nice big slices. Mm-hmm. Um, and and British people are addicted to having it in rolls in the morning. Mm-hmm. If you can manage it with fried eggs as well um <laughs> great start yeah but you day. guys you guys deep fry your eggs don't you no 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 no. we call it frying 
Okay. It's just it's 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 pan frying with oil, not on a griddle, which is what right. is the common U.S. thing. I know because mm-hmm. I work. Well, I've talked to you about it before. I used to work in a yeah. restaurant, and I'd have mm-hmm. Americans asking me, "Do you fry your fried eggs?" Which is very <laughs> yes. confusing when it's eighteen in your first job, and you're like, "Pardon." <laughs> um, but yeah. No, we boil them. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'll explain the fried egg thing. To make a really, really nice fried egg, you do need oil. But you have oil about as deep as the height of the egg. Oh yeah, and we use a really good one. A good, really good one for Michael Morris. Olive oil. It makes the egg sweet. Huh. If you use olive oil. But yeah, we tend to just use vegetable or corn oil. Mm-hmm. You fry, but you can use butter. Uh, if yeah. you're being extravagant. If you really, <laughs> if you really want to counteract the good effects of the egg by putting fat on it, uh, you use butter. Well. Um, but, no, he hasn't let me finish. Look, he's horrified. Yeah, but, well, uh, don't, but you, 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 know. you, you put the egg into basically enough oil that the egg's basically floating on it. And then you can turn it over if you want or what people who don't want a broken egg do you flick the oil over the top to just cook off the yolk mm-hmm. if you want a runny egg or you can leave it in if you want Yeah, right. that's how we do your eggs and then you take it out and let the oil drain off and then use it it's lovely because the egg it's the egg's a different consistency when you cook it that way, it's fluffy mm-hmm. <laughs> instead well, of being I mean, a little piece of rubber which is what most sure. riddle cooked ones seem to end up like um, well, I mean, here's the thing, too. I mean, I have a grandmother who came from the United Kingdom, so I, that way. Yeah. so I ate a lot of food that people absolutely cringe at, but I still hate Marmite. I think Marmite is the worst thing on planet Earth. It is the one that's notorious for you either love it or hate it. Yeah, my I, line it's, is it's slightly it, at least it's better than Vegemite. I've never had Vegemite, but Marmite don't, is don't, disgusting. Really yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, see, yeast, yeast extract basically that's what that's what these things are. These two things yeah. that have just been mentioned. One's yeah. made from beef, though, and mm-hmm. Vegemite. Well, the the veg bit at the start's a bit of a giveaway. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, which is but why I've, I say I've... at least it's better than Vegemite because Vegemite, <laughs> oh, there's no describing the flavor. <laughs> yeah. At least you know, Marmite, it's got a, mm-hmm. that slight umami, meaty sort of taste. Yeah. Uh, it's still still not great. But what I, I I use coconut oil to make I cook everything now. Yeah. Including my eggs. Well, so, one of the best yeah. things is actually uh, weirdly is corn oil. Cause it, well, especially eggs, it doesn't really stick to the eggs when you cook well, them. Right, but, it just drains but, off. You know. mm, right. Because it's very really light oil. Oils, yeah. mm, but it's corn oil. And... Well, well yeah, okay. we, we have... This is one of the other things. The oh. oils we have in the UK for cooking food are, are different from the oils you've got over there for cooking oh, yeah. food. Because I know. You have different, different food safety so, standards yeah. there. So our yeah. corn oil is pure corn oil mm-hmm. 
Right. It's not been made out of anything other than pure corn. They're not out to put additives in it or anything like that. Right. It's just mm-hmm. proper original corn oil, which is why I say mm-hmm. it's it can take a higher temperature for than most cooking oils and uh, it's not peanut oil, which is another good one for cooking, but it's peanut oil. Really? Grapeseed oil? Yeah, rape oil's good, yeah. No, 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 I know that, but there was a point in time where you couldn't get rapeseed oil in the United States because they said it caused birth defects. They changed their tune on that? And the only reason I know that is because of, of Lorenzo's oil. Yeah. I, they said it was unsafe for women of childbearing age to ingest. They say a lot of things like butter and eggs is bad for you, and then it turns out they're, they, they, they don't yeah. know. Yeah, well, I, I know it's <laughs> canola, but there was a point in time where I don't generally see people refer to canola oil as rapeseed oil. Well, we do over here because so. we've got <sighs> tons of it. We've got fields and fields growing mm-hmm. rape oil. Uh, so yeah, because yeah. it's used for th- over here for things like cooking oil and other uses. Mm. Well, um, no, there was a point in time where you couldn't get it in this country. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, our, our oils are, our cooking oils are very very pure. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, cooking an oil is not such a big thing over here. And obviously, mm-hmm. you you can't have you can't have proper Scottish food if you don't have lots of oil because you mm-hmm. can't deep fry things. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we're healthier than we used to be. We used to use we used to use beef dripping, you know, lard to cook, to deep fry things. Actually, so I don't think moved, we is, have moved on. You know, lard's probably not as bad for you as you think. Yeah, I, mean, I think you, I think a lot cannot, of things aren't as bad. You cannot as make proper traditional chips. And I do say chips, not meaning the crispy snack. No, you, you mean you, proper chips. Fries, yeah. but a proper size. Um, yes. I know. I know. Hey, I told you. Yeah, <laughs> the you grandmother who. Grew I know, up. but yeah. your audience doesn't. Some of them yeah, no. will, will not Some realize that. Right. If you ask for fries in the UK, unless you're in a McDonald's or a Burger King, <laughs> they're going to look at you funny. Funny, uh, yeah. Because you should be asking for <laughs> chips. Yep. Which are made from fresh, usually fresh potato, mm-hmm. fried in deep fried in oil, and mm-hmm. the the acceptable size is usually about. Anywhere between half to one centimeter mm-hmm. cut size on the potato, so they're big. They're yeah, they're like what we would and think when of you as cook a steak them that fry. Way, they're lovely and fluffy on the inside. Yeah, they are. On the outside. Right, like I said, we would think of them as what you'd call a steak fry here. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I forgot about steak. Sorry, I forgot about steak fry. <laughs> No, no, I mean, that's the only thing I know that's comparable in size and, and texture. Yes. So, yeah. You, you, um, you can't have a good you, you can't have a good chippy, as they call it over here, <laughs> uh, without proper proper chips or steak chips, in your case. Yeah. yeah. Do you realize we've been doing this almost, we're going yeah, on? Yeah, we're into the last half hour of the runtime, yeah. Yeah, we are. But so, um, yeah, I had a good event, and then there's the... Long drive back up to Scotland. <laughs> I still didn't sleep until half past midnight on the Monday, my time. I Good didn't sleep for four hours and I've been awake since then. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I couldn't do so, it. So yeah, my, but... my eye my eyes, knees and back are are not liking me. 
today. Yeah. I haven't I, done I, much I, today, hence why I haven't edited much video today, or and mm -hmm. I've just been relaxing. I need to get you a pair of those yellow glasses they have for insomniacs. They don't work. Well, I know they don't work, but they're supposed to take some of that, that tension out of, you know, your eye muscles. Right? No, Do no, they no. work? I don't know. No, no, because I've had eye surgery. Uh, ah. So when my eyes don't like me, they really, really don't like me. <laughs> um, yeah, but I did yeah, say... It was, it was a good old event. Now, there were less people than the previous year. Mm -hmm. um, because, as I say, there's another big show coming up in a couple of months. Um, sure. So a lot of the people were like, oh, I'll just go to that instead. You know? Uh -huh. But right. it's, in a way, that's a good sign because <laughs> there are more shows in the UK for people to go to this year. Yeah. I don't know how, what that's next year. That's a good thing. Don't know what next well, year will be like. Uh, yeah. I mean, how first. are they still fiddling about with the TPD? No, the, the first part. It. The first part. The TPD is here. The right. first, like, like in the US, it's it's staggered in the UK. Ah. So the first, some stuff came in already. Mhm. Mm Hence, technically, there were no giveaways at Vape Fest. I didn't see anything, sure. Gav. Honest. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh huh. In October. The first set comes in, and then there'll be things like the the TPD came in in May. Mm -hmm. Vendors had up until October to sell existing stock that wasn't TPD mm -hmm. compliant. So yeah, that's the first barrier. They'll hit that, and then suddenly you won't be able to get hold of anything above twenty milligram oh. e-liquid legally, including DIY base. Mm. Um. And all the various other bits of the TPD, um, but not some of the marketing, not some of the actual device requirements. There's still right. two, you know, they put two years on that for people to get. Uh -huh. But they'll, I bet they're already snowed under with the paperwork for all for applications. Well, and I mean, that. and that's what I'm thinking is going to happen to the FDA here. They, they just yeah, they don't they're know about what they're to have doing. an avalanche, yeah, of paper. Yeah, hit, hit yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. They sure are. Um, so yeah, this is the last kind of we can hurrah. definitely say was a normal sort of big vape, vape fest in the UK. Right. We're we're heading into the uncharted territory now. So the people that were there, it wasn't as commercial as it was the year before. Mm -hmm. uh, vendors I talked to who were there last year, they said they made less money this year. That's because mm -hmm. there's less people. Um, mm -hmm. Right. But yeah, I mean, and unlike most shows, there were an awful lot of hardware people at Vapefest. Mm -hmm. There's a company called that that aficionados will know of already. Hellfire Mods were there, mm -hmm. selling their custom stuff. There's a company called right. Rocket Rocket Mods, I think it was, mm -hmm. and various others. Mm -hmm. And then there's the people selling all the stuff like what I won the the, the Cooper Primus and. Mm -hmm. Rollos everywhere and DNAs and yeah, there's good hardware at this show. Yeah, which, which <laughs> was, you stopped yourself. <laughs> which was um, which yeah. is good because so many of these big shows, it, it's mm -hmm. just all liquids. Right. And yeah, the majority was all liquids, but mm -hmm. there's enough of other stuff to. 
not as much as the year before of hardware, mm -hmm. but because yeah, a lot of companies, mm -hmm. even here, it's already happening in the US as well. There's people just closed up shop, given up, yeah, gone. Yeah. So there, there's slightly less hardware, but there's still enough to be interesting. Mm -hmm. And you know, people like with people with the beautiful handmade atty stands and mod stands mm -hmm. and all that. All everything you think of as a, at a big vape expo was also at vape fest, but mm -hmm. you had all this social aspect as well. It's still like an mm -hmm. old-fashioned vape meet, which sounds ridiculous <laughs> when vaping so young. But you know what I mean, and other people I do know, know what I mean. Where it was still yeah, it wasn't like a trade people. show. Yeah. Yeah. And Vapefest is still kind of like that. So yeah. even with all the That's cool. vendors there. That's you know, cool. People um, just there to enjoy themselves. <laughs> Before we do go, I said I was going to read The Chemist War. I think I read mm -hmm. this every mm -hmm. once in a while. And I read it to remind people of what the government is capable of. Um, yeah. So here goes. This is from Slate Magazine. The Chemist's War. The little told story of how the U.S. government poisoned alcohol during Prohibition with deadly consequences. It was written by Deborah Blum. It was Christmas Eve, 1926. The streets aglitter with snow and lights when the man afraid of Santa Claus stumbled into the emergency room at New York City's Bellevue Hospital. He was flushed, gasping with fear. Santa Claus, he kept telling the nurses, was just behind him, wielding a baseball bat. Before hospital staff realized how sick he was, the alcohol-induced hallucination was just a symptom. The man died. So did another holiday party-goer, and another. As dusk fell on Christmas, the hospital staff tallied up more than 60 people made desperately ill by alcohol and ate dead from it. Within the next two days, yet another 23 people died in the city from celebrating the season. Doctors were accustomed to alcohol poisoning by then, the routine of life in the Prohibition era. The bootlegged whiskeys and so-called gins often made people sick. The liquor produced in hidden stills frequently came tainted with metals and other impurities. But this outbreak was bizarrely different. The deaths, as investigators would shortly realize, came as courtesy of the U.S. government. Frustrated that people continued to consume so much alcohol even after it was banned, federal officials had decided to try a different kind of enforcement. They ordered the poisoning of industrial alcohols manufactured in the United States products regularly stolen by bootleggers and resold as drinkable spirits. The idea was to scare people into giving up illicit drinking. Instead, by the time Prohibition ended in 1933, the federal poisoning program, by some estimates, had killed 10,000 people. Although mostly forgotten today, the chemist's war of Prohibition remains one of the strangest and most deadly decisions in American law enforcement history. As one of its most outspoken opponents, Charles Norris, the chief medical examiner of New York City during the 1920s liked to say it was our national experiment in extermination. Poisonous alcohol still kills. 16 people died just this month after drinking lethal booze in Indonesia where bootleggers make their own brews to avoid steep taxes, but that's due to unscrupulous businessmen rather than government order. I learned of the federal poisoning program while researching my new book, The Poisoner's Handbook, which is set in Jazz Age, New York. My first reaction was that I must have gotten it wrong. I never heard that the government poisoned people during Prohibition, did you? I kept saying to friends, family members, colleagues. I did, however, remember the U.S. government's controversial decision in the 1970s to spray Mexican marijuana fields with parquois, an herbicide. 
Its use was mainly intended to destroy crops, but government officials also insisted that awareness of the toxin would deter marijuana smokers. They echoed the official position of the 1920s. If some citizens ended up poisoned, well, they'd bought it on themselves, although Paqua wasn't really all that toxic. The outcry forced the government to drop the plan. Still, the incident created an unsurprising lack of trust in government motives, which reveals itself in the occasional rumors circulating today that the federal agencies, such as the CIA, mix poison into the illegal drug supply. During Prohibition, however, an official sense of higher purpose kept the poisoning program in place. As the Chicago Tribune editorialized in 1927, ordinarily no American government would engage in such business. It is only in the curious fanaticism of Prohibition that any means, however barbarous, are considered justified. Others, however, accused the lawmen opposed to the poisoning plan of being in cahoots with criminals and argued that bootleggers and their law-breaking alcoholic customers deserve no sympathy. Must Uncle Sam guarantee safety for a source, asked no, uh, Nebraska's Obama B. That was a paper. Uh, the saga began with the ratification of the 18th Amendment, which banned the manufacture, sale, or transport of alcoholic beverages in the United States. Minded Crusaders and anti-alcohol organizations helped push the amendment through 1919, playing on fears of moral decay in a country just emerging from war. The Volstead Act, spelling out the rules for enforcement, passed shortly after, and Prohibition itself went into effect on January 1, 1920. But people continued to drink, and in large quantities. Alcoholism rates soared during the 1920s. Insurance companies charted the increase at more than 300%. Speakeasies promptly opened for business. By the decade's end, some 30,000 existed in New York City alone. Street gangs grew into bootlegging empires built on smuggling, stealing, and manufacturing illegal alcohol. The country's defiant response to new laws shocked those who sincerely and naively believed that the amendment would usher in a new era of upright behavior. Righteous enforcement had managed to slow the smuggling of alcohol from Canada and other countries. But crime syndicates responded by stealing massive quantities of industrial alcohol used in paints and solvents, fuels, medical supplies, and redistilling it to make it portable. Well, sort of. Industrial alcohol is basically grain alcohol, so unpleasant chemicals missed it, mixed in to render it undrinkable. U.S. government started requiring this denaturing process in 1906 for manufacturers who wanted to avoid the taxes levied on portable spirits. The U.S. Treasury Department, charged with overseeing alcohol enforcement, estimated by the mid-1920s some 60 million gallons of industrial alcohol were stolen annually to supply the country's drinkers. In response, in 1926, President Calvin Coolidge's government decided to turn chemistry into an enforcement tool. Some 70 denaturing formulas existed by the 1920s. Most simply added poisonous methyl alcohol into the mix. Others used bitter-tasting compounds that were less lethal, designed to make the alcohol taste so awful it became undrinkable. To sell the stolen industrial alcohol, the liquor syndicates employed chemists to renature the products, returning them to a drinkable state. Bootlickers paid their chemists a lot more than the government did, and they excelled at their jobs. Stolen and redistilled alcohol became the primary source for liquor in the country. So federal officials ordered manufacturers to make their products far more deadly. By mid-1927, the new denaturing formulas included some notable poisons. Kerosene and brucine, a plant alcoholoid, alkaloid closely related to strychnine. Gasoline, benzene, cadmium, iodine, zinc, mercury salts, nicotine, either formaldehyde, chloroform, camphor, carbolic acid, quinine, and acetone. 
the Treasury Department also demanded more ethyl alcohol be added, up to 10% of the final product. It was the last that proved most deadly. The results were immediate, starting with that horrifying holiday body count in the closing days of 1926. Public health officials responded with shock. The government knows it is not stopping drinking by putting poison in alcohol, New York City Medical Examiner Charles Norris said at a hastily organized press conference. Yet it continues its poisoning processes. He listed the fact that people determined to drink are daily absorbing that poison. Knowing this to be true, the United States government must be charged with the moral responsibility for the deaths that poison liquor causes, although it cannot be held legally responsible. His department issued warnings to citizens detailing the dangers in whiskey circulating in the city. Practically all the liquor that is sold in New York today is toxic, read one 1928 alert. He publicized every death by alcohol poisoning. He assigned his toxicologist, Andrew Gettler, to analyze confiscated whiskey for poisons. That long list of toxic materials I cited came in part from studies done by the New York City Medical Examiner's Office. Norris also condemned the federal program for its disproportionate effect on the country's poorest residents. Wealthy people, he pointed out, could afford the best whiskey available. Most of those sickened and dying were those who could not afford expensive, expensive protection and now dealt in low-grade stuff. And the numbers were not trivial. In 1926, New York City, 1,200 people were sickened by poisonous alcohol. 400 died. The following year, the deaths climbed to 700. These numbers were repeated in cities around the country as public health officials nationwide joined the angry clamor. Furious anti-prohibition legislators pushed for halt in this use of lethal chemistry. Only one possessing the instincts of a wild beast would desire to kill or make blind a man who takes a drink of liquor, even if he purchased it from one violating the prohibition statutes, proclaimed Senator James Reed of Missouri. Officially, the special denaturing program only ended once the 18th Amendment was repealed in December 1933, but the chemist war itself faded away before then. Slowly, government officials quit talking about it, and when prohibition ended, and good green whiskey reappeared, it was almost as if the craziness of prohibition and the poisonous measures taken to enforce it had never quite happened. Yeah. Well, um, th there is a reason that I mentioned that. Yes. People don't know what their government is capable of, especially when it indulges itself in these moral panics these flights of fancy that have nothing to do with science or with truth. <laughs> um, they're capable of doing horrible, horrible things. And I think the best thing that can ever happen to us is that we remember our history and we learn from it. Never underestimate what the government will do. Never think that they could never hurt you or do anything to you that could cause you massive harm. Never underestimate them. They are always capable of doing some pretty terrible things. Um, just don't ever forget. I think it was George Washington who said the government is not sweetness and light. It's power. It's force. It's like fire. It's a dangerous servant. And, okay, government is not reason. It's not eloquent. It's force, like fire. It's a dangerous servant and a fearful master. So, Indeed. yeah. 
And I guess that. Oh, just lost you, John. Okay, I shall, I shall close out. Thanks very much for coming. Uh, I will play the Muppets and the advert. Why do we always come here? I guess we'll never know. It's like a kind of torture to have to watch the show. Why spend hours searching for in-stock ammunition when you can use AmmoSeek.com? AmmoSeek.com is a search engine for finding ammunition, reloading components, magazines, and guns for more than 300 calibers at more than 60 online retailers. AmmoSeek.com only shows items that are in stock and readily available for shipping. You can search by caliber, grains, manufacturer, and more. The results are displayed by cost per round, so you are able to get the very best pricing on your ammunition of choice. Find ammunition at the best prices, fast. Amoseek.com. Good night, everybody. <laughs>